What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 43 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I finally get to watch my favorite team play hockey tonight. And this right here, this is Joey Parisi. And for the 17th straight week, he's wearing the same exact hat. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller. And he's been so wrong about football lately that he finally decided to wear a hat for college basketball. What up, boys? Sup? I feel attacked. I, like, so what's do I. Your- yeah, like I think we gotta we gotta rotate who does the intro here. No, I do the intro. I feel brutally attacked. Yeah, right, Frank. Yeah. Frank, you're yeah, gonna so bounce back this weekend. You're gonna bounce back. I am gonna bounce. You back are gonna this bounce weekend. back. I have no doubt about it. I'm just giving you shit. I love you. Four, I'm going four for four. No I, doubt I about hope. It. I hope you do. We're probably gonna align a little more this weekend. I would assume, which probably works in your favor. Scox, what up to you, my man? I'm Joe, still, I'm still a little bent like over got... about this. Yeah, you, you, you fucked me up with this hat. Now I gotta, I'm gonna order four hats, and then there's a, a month of new hats. They should all be Bauer hats, just different colors. That would be sick. No, I actually like no. the different color Bauer hats. It's similar to people who wear the Titleist hats for golf, and they're all different colors. So, I love that. I love this, that. The reason I wear this hat so often, it is my best fitting hat. And you know, like I have a very small head. I don't know how it happened. I'm, I'm bigger than you, but my head is almost half your size i'm exaggerating but i'm two half sizes yeah it must be i'm two hat sizes smaller than you and so it's kind of hard for me to find a hat that fits perfectly and i don't think i'll ever find one that fits as good as this hat so you know comfort over you know what you say sometimes what size hat is it a small medium it's it's a flex fit new era so if you Um, get new era small medium it'll probably fit i have a bunch of them they're they're all a little but they don't fit as good no, no, not every hat is the same. Whether Most it says hats small are handmade, medium. and that's yeah. why they're yeah. Like some small mediums just fit differently, especially if it's a different brand. But yeah, I have tons of new era small medium hats, the thirty nine thirties. Nothing fits as snug as this hat. And, and I'm actually, not actually. Go ahead. I got this hat at uh, Pure Hockey. I think at the time it might have been Total Hockey, but Pure Hockey, our local hockey shop, they have a bunch of clothes clothing lines, and they have a whole Bauer line of clothes. Uh, they have other hats. They have a red one that I really want. It's a, it's a red. Yeah, exactly. That's where I got my spit and chickens Bauer hoodie. They have a red one. That's the same thing. It just says Bauer. I believe it's in white. But the next one I want to get, call me boring, is a black hat. It's like a black charcoal kind of hat, and the Bauer is white. That's every time I go there, I have to hold myself back from buying it because like thirty something bucks. But that's really cool. I actually like both your hats. The only reason I kind of cracked a joke about your hat joe is because when we first started this show you used to brag live on air about how you were wearing a different hat every single week no matter what but now like a couple weeks in a row you've been wearing the same hat so that's kind of where where that joke came from yeah and as aldo says like he's got the same problem it's just i think you're the one with the weird shaped brain and me and aldo got massive brains so it's hard for but is aldo claiming he has a big head or a small head I, I kind of I I, if he's claiming he has a big head, then I think I, he's I would more assume he's claiming about his big head because it says my massive brain. Yeah, yeah. you don't have yeah. a massive brain and a small head. That just no. doesn't make any sense. My massive brain is proportionate so to you my, guys my don't cranium. Fit, you're not under the category of most. Like one size fits most. You're not. No, no. Oh, no. Me, every time yeah. I buy a one size fits most hat, it's too big. See, no, every would, time I buy one, it's perfect. Yeah, I would say they fit me too. Yeah, I have not. Under, you're not in the most. Yeah. I have an under uh, under average size hat, I guess. So Scotts recommend 47 brand hats. I have a couple 47 brand hats. My problem with 47 brand is they don't 
they don't make the this part whatever you call this part i've yet to find a 47 brand that is like as good quality as new era new era is my favorite brand of hats well 47 brand hats are mostly like dad hats if you will. yeah yeah i got a the, few i like those too i like those too where they're a little floppy you could just kind of throw them in your backpack my atlanta braves hat that i wear on isn't the show. my bucks hat 47 that's not yes floppy. it is frank no it's it, it, no it's not floppy no it's, it's uh it's got the velcro on the back yeah it's hard to find a good stretch fit. Yeah, it's not a. It's the plastic. Oh, it's a snapback. I think, or no, is it Velcro? I thought it was Velcro. I, I think remember. it's Velcro. No, I think it's Velcro because I think the Velcro says bucks. See, you, on the bottom of the screen, it says most common male hat size is seven and three eighths. Vin, I believe you're a seven and five eighths or seven and a half. Um, seven and a half sounds about and right. And it says so, the average hat size for females is seven and one fourth. I'm a seven and one fourth. I fit into some seven and one eighths, just for reference of how small my head is. Seven and a half slightly bigger than seven three eighths, like one size bigger. Yeah. Uh so slight slightly above average. I'd like to yeah. know what size my head is. I don't know. Frank, you're I'm probably not a, a seven and, you're probably a seven and three eighths. Because your I head is know. bigger. We've tried each other's hats on. Your head is bigger than mine. And yeah. We probably uh, fit I, in the same hats, me and Frankie. Yeah. I'd like, I like to know how, like officially. When I put a hat on Vin. I know if it'll fit you perfectly based off of like how bit loose it is on me. <laughs> yeah, because we would just try shit on back when we were, yeah. you know, going to malls and stuff and trying on hats. Now you don't really do that anymore. Yeah. Do you like this hat? Of course I do. Where? What is it? That is a hat with the, one of the most creative logos I've ever seen. That is a Joey Does Dessert custom made hat. That's actually... Uh, I wouldn't say that's a final product. That's that's a test hat. I want the logo to be a little bigger and a little lower, closer to the brim. But, I mean, that's what you get. You get prototypes. Yep. I love the Joey Does Dessert hat. Make sure you book your orders at joeydoesdessert.com if you live in the local Chicagoland area. Guys, I want to talk some hockey. Yeah, well, I, bought, I thought hats was your, your pre-period one discussion, your warm-up discussion. No, but was I that planned or did you just go with the flow? I just went with the flow. I almost never have the intro planned. I actually had a different one for Joey in mind, but the Bauer hat being on his head again <laughs> made me like kind of take a 180 on what I was originally going to say. I was originally going to say, and this right here, this is Joey Parisi. And he dressed up as Boba Fett last night. Like, you know, I was going to kind of go with that, but you know, it is what I, it I is. I could throw that. I could throw that hat on. <laughs> There Maybe at some point. There, there, there's Mr. Boba Fett himself. Boba confirmed, Fett dressed as an Avalanche fan. Confirmed Colorado Avalanche guy, Boba Fett. I can't tell um, the difference. No, that, that basically is. I've never seen Boba Fett and Joey in the same room. I will no. confirm that. So with that, Joseph, I would like to send it over to period number one. Welcome to period one, where today we're going to kind of do things a little differently. I kind of have been experimenting with the way I do the periods lately. Sometimes I do this and that and talk about this thing and that period. Last week, we let off with football because there was the national championship and the wild card in the same week. This time around, I'm going to actually divide it into conferences. So we're going to go with the different conferences in the National Hockey League. Me and Joey each cheer for a team in the Eastern Conference. Frankie cheers for a team in the Western Conference. It's great balance. But last night, a very special event took place. On Monday, we celebrated the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we all know about how great he was and how important he is to American history and where we are today and things that are happening today. 
as a result of the great Martin Luther King Jr. Well, a pioneer in the black community in terms of sports is the great Willie O'Ree. He broke the color barrier in the National Hockey League. He was the first black player ever, and he played with the Boston Bruins. Of course, he was recently inducted into the National Hockey League Hall of Fame as a uh, builder because, you know, Jackie Robinson made Major League Baseball. He broke their color barrier, and he was an elite player. I wouldn't say Willie O'Ree was an elite player. He broke the color barrier, but he didn't stick around simply based on, he. you know, he wasn't a great hockey player, but he made it as a builder because of what he did for the hockey community. And as a result, last night, your Boston Bruins retired his legendary number 22. I loved to see it. He's so great mm-hmm. for the game. I loved seeing some of the prominent you know, someone like Anson Carter, a prominent black hockey player in the community, a builder today. He might even go into the Hall of Fame as a builder one day. And it, former Bruin himself, it was great to see. Joe, what were your thoughts on the Willie O'Ree celebration? Yeah, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I always love hearing stories about how players get their numbers. And Willie O'Ree, he didn't really have a reason for number 22. Um, it was just one of those situations where it was given to him. Well, he said it uh, in his, uh, I guess, podium speech yesterday, you know, looking back on it, it would make perfect sense. He was 22 years old when he broke into the league as the, the first professional black hockey player. And uh, and it just stuck with him. And so to see number 22 raised in the rafters, I've seen, you know, quite a few players wear that number in my my tenure as a Bruins fan. And to know that it'll never be worn again due to the reason of Willie O'Ree. Uh, having that retired is, is special. I'm I'm very happy for him, and I think it's well-deserved and honestly a long time coming. There are some great African-American or African-Canadian or just people of black descent in general in the NHL now. And someone would have broke the color barrier if not for Willie O'Ree, but you can say that a lot of people got to follow in his footsteps as a result of him taking that risk and playing a game that was dominated by people of European descent, and I just enjoyed the whole thing. You got guys like P.K. Subban ch- chiming in. I loved seeing the stuff that Kevin Weeks uh, – we love Kevin Weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a Kevin Weeks podcast, I would say. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of who else was the person Ryan, I was going to mention. Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves. But then there was also Anson Carter. Mm-hmm. And I just loved seeing all of it. P.K. Subban, you know, from My Devils. Loved seeing Ray Emery, too. Ray Emery. Ray Emery played. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, which is just absolutely tragic. But so many great uh, black players got to play hockey and hopefully more to come. And Willie O'Ree, to me, is the the single symbol of hockey is for everyone. Frank? Yeah, I thought it was a very classy move by the Bruins to do this. Um, I saw his number was on the ice. Is that permanent? Or No, I, I believe that'll be... I don't know if they're going to take it off like, right away it for the season. No, I, my I guess know. is it stays for the season. And I know every player in the NHL is going to have 22 on their helmet for the rest of the season. Yeah. I saw the 22 on the helmet. That's I actually don't know about the ice. I'm not going to sit here and make something up as much as I'd like to like know and have an answer for you. I, I don't know. And I, I don't think so. I, I think it will come off. I don't know. And if he was be... there in person too, right? No, no. He, he I thought back. I saw a clip of him on the ice. He stayed back in his home and I think so it I was, was confused I don't even know exactly where, the, where his home was. He, he did a speech uh, from his house uh, and they played it on the Jumbotron. There, were a, there, were a night, there was a night, I think two seasons ago, when he was there and, uh, and they honored him that way. 
And I believe that was when they first, and it's actually now declared by the mayor of Boston that January 18th is forever Willie O'Ree Day in, in Boston, in the state of Massachusetts. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was just an iconic moment altogether. And uh, I know he wasn't an elite player. I actually didn't know. He only played 45 games in the NHL, all for the Boston Bruins. And uh, he is officially their 12th jersey number retired for the organization. So I thought that was pretty cool. Joe, can you describe, based on your knowledge, Willie O'Ree's actual playing career? I don't know too much. All I know is, you know, I've seen uh, clips of what other players who who were able to play with him about how, you know, how much of a leap that was for him to, to play and how welcomed he was by some of his teammates. Um, I, but I don't know much of his playing career. I know it was it was long before I was around, but. Do you think perhaps it was also a, even scarier for him than maybe Jackie Robinson? because of the fact that the Negro leagues did exist and baseball was a sport popular in the black community, hockey really wasn't like that and still probably isn't to this day. And that's what we're trying to like grow the game and expand it culturally and make sure everybody knows how great of a game it is. I would argue it was harder for Willie O'Ree. Yeah, very well could be. It's, you know, predominantly a white, you know, played sport so i'm sure it was much harder because like you said there were other leagues specifically for that so you know in order to make that leap into the professional level probably was tough so another thing i just thought of um that we talked about yesterday he was a big big montreal canadians fan growing up i that was his team and he ended up making his nhl debut against the montreal canadians on january 18th where you know the boston bruins beat them three to nothing and he said he's never been so happier to have won a hockey game and it came against his Montreal Canadiens, but he'll forever be a Bruin. He said, weren't they supposed to honor him a few weeks ago? Remember against Montreal? Didn't you say we were talking about it on the podcast? Did it get moved again? No. So I actually got my dates messed up on, on that whole thing. I thought that the game that took place last Wednesday was Willie O'Ree night, but it was actually yesterday uh, because the game last Wednesday was supposed to be an away game in Montreal, mm-hmm. but it ended up being a home game. But I, it was never Willie O'Ree night. Yesterday was gotcha. Willie O'Ree day, which they is did. January 18th, forever going to be Willie O'Ree day. And they did it because that's the anniversary of the day that he made his NHL debut and broke the NHL's color barrier. Yeah. So back on January 18th, what year was it? Excuse me. I I couldn't tell you the exact year. It's just said it on the newspaper, and I already forget. I know. It It was like 60. It was January 18th of that year. But on January 18th, 2022, the Boston Bruins did not have a 3-0 victory against the team they were playing that night. In fact, it was quite the opposite. They got absolutely shit-pumped by the Carolina Hurricanes. They were losing 5-1 after the first period was over. Joseph, expand on that and expand on the Boston Bruins, who, despite that debacle that was last night, have won nine of their last 11 games. Yeah, um, they're going into tonight, or last night, where they were the, the hottest team in the league. I don't care what, what anyone says. They were I don't coming think there's a way to argue it. Yeah, they had one loss since uh, since the Christmas break, and it, was, it came to the Minnesota Wild in, in a great game. Um, but last night, you really can't call that a great game. They... They didn't show up in every way possible. Then you watched it. That was one of the worst periods I've ever seen from the Boston Bruins. I felt the most bad for Tuka Rask because now everyone's questioning. You know, you look at the score 7-1. to one, Tuka gets chased in the first period. He gives up five goals and only plays 20 minutes. 
instantly it was his people, first loss since coming back instantly people who didn't watch the game or don't know much are gonna think oh tuka you know he's got some rust to shake off that wasn't the case tuka got laid out to dry the entire boston bruins team from top to bottom did not show up and ready to play that game it was just bad from the beginning and it never got better so i'm just not gonna really put this one on tuka rask i honestly hope he starts tomorrow in washington i haven't really looked into that too much uh, it's actually in Boston, but against the Capitals, I, I hope he gets the start because he only played 20 minutes, and and there was nothing from Tuukka Rask's game that I didn't like in the 20 minutes that we saw, other than the way the team played in front of him. But the Bruins as a whole, uh, I think, are good at bouncing back. I believe uh, Jack Edwards mentioned last night the last time that the Bruins gave up this many goals in a game. Uh, they went on to win six of six games straight. Like they're a very good bounce back team. Uh, and I, and I think that can easily happen again with the way they've been playing since the break and the way that this team is. So I'm not too worried about it. It sucks because the team was playing so good, but it's just one of those games you forget about instantly. Like I don't even remember any of the game did not happen as far as I'm concerned. And we get right back to it against the Capitals tomorrow. Frank, do you have any bounce back off of the Boston Bruins that Joey talked about? Well, it just appears that every anytime you're either like raising the banner, you have a pregame ceremony, the home team never shows up to play. It just seems like there's a jinx anytime you're honoring somebody or you have some special event that day. It's weird. I mean, look at the Hawks when they had Andrew Shaw night against Montreal. It, it was a very, very hard night for the Hawks. It wasn't easy. They ended up winning the game, but also look at teams that host the banner every year. They tend to lose more on that opening that home opener more than winning. It's it's just really, really weird. It's strange. You would think it would get the crowd pumped up, the team pumped up, but it was just it was a terrible night by the Bruins. But yeah, I'm sure they'll bounce back. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think blaming Tuka Rask is comical. It's not his fault that Kako Niemi was left right alone and he was able to just completely do a 360 wraparound as if it was just practice with just him on the ice. Like honestly, the Tuka Rask haters are getting real tired. They're getting real clownish. I just don't understand how even you could blame this guy. I mean, Vesna Trophy competition year after year, not this year because he's not going to have enough games played, but like every year after year in the conversation for best goalie in the NHL takes the Bruins on deep playoff runs. And so one game where you get shit pumped against the Carolina Hurricanes and you look like ass in front of him anyway, I just don't understand how that could be the case. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. He'll bounce back, especially if it's tomorrow against Washington, uh, a team that they've you know kind of had their number in recent in recent games at least. So we'll see. Absolutely. And since our last show, my New Jersey Devils have only played one game. It was the following day, that Thursday, against the New York Islanders, and it was a close game. The Devils, you can argue, outplayed them for most of it, and then with. You know, not too long left in the third period. Matt Barzell made a sick play and put the Islanders up three to two. And the Devils weren't able to get it tied, even though Nico Heeshear had a legit chance on goal. And the goalie made the save basically by diving across the net. I thought Heeshear had it tied, and then you never know in overtime. But, you know, tough loss to the Islanders and then games against the Montreal Canadiens and Toronto Maple Leafs were canceled because they were in Canada and COVID 19 has turned Canada into a shit show when it comes to the NHL. So, you know, haven't seen the Devils since Thursday. They do play tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. Very much looking forward to that. Um, The Devils, they're not a playoff team. 
I believe the eight that are currently in playoff spots in the Eastern Conference are going to be the eight that make it to the postseason. The Western Conference is a different story, but I believe that the top eight currently are the top eight in the end. And, you know, it's, but it's not as bad as most years for the Devils. There's definitely, they're definitely an up and coming team. I've loved the way that Jack Hughes has played. Nico Hishier has been awesome building around those guys. But as of right now, it's not much other than like, just keep playing the rest of the year, keep developing, try and get healthy, try and stay healthy and have a legit chance to compete next season. How many, um, have you seen Jersey retirements? How many have you seen? I can only think of two for the the, Devils, for the the New Jersey Devils. How many have you seen? They have five numbers retired. Patrick Eliash is number 26. Martin Brodeur is number 30. Scott Stevens is number four. Ken Danico is number three. And Scott Niedermeyer is number 27. With my own two eyes, I watched Brodeur and Eliash get their numbers retired. I specifically remember the game against Montreal where Brodeur's number got retired. I don't remember if the Devils won that day or not. I do know against the New York Islanders on Patrick Eliash's jersey retirement, they were losing one nothing almost the entire game. And then Taylor Hall extended his point streak to 20-something games by sending a sweet pass to Paul Mary, and he scored, and then the Devils ended up winning in overtime. So that's the Patrick Eliash game. But, yeah, I remember watching two with my own two eyes, and they have five retired total. Gotcha. I was just curious because it's cool. It, it's always special when you see it if you watch that player like a lot, you know. And I was just thinking like you've seen two players get their number retired, and both of them you watched a lot with your a own lot. two eyes. Yeah, I probably like, watched five hundred of each player. Yeah, Patrick Elias, and obviously especially Martin Broder. Um, I certainly caught them at the end of their careers, but I definitely yeah. watched them a lot. Yeah, it'll they be like Frankie two. watching Taves and Kane get there, and you know even yeah. me and you watching Taves and Kane get their numbers retired way down the line because that will happen. Yeah, But, yeah, you haven't um, seen anybody you watch play yet. Yeah, right? I only saw two. And yesterday was, you know, the second one, Willie Ari. Um, The only other one I saw before that, and it was the first time I've ever seen a Bruins number get retired, was uh, Rick Middleton. They called him Nifty. Number 16 got sent into the rafters a couple seasons ago. So it was pretty cool. But, again, I didn't know much about Rick Middleton going into that. I knew, you know, I knew the name. I knew, you know, he was a, a great Bruin in his career. Frank, what about you? Have you have any of those Blackhawk sweaters gone up that you've you've watched play a lot? No, not, not yet. You got a lot no. coming though. I got a lot coming. <laughs> well, I was coming. gonna I was gonna bleed that into a little bit of a conversation here. Do either of you have anything on the Devils before I get off that? I mean, the Blackwood's Coyotes back. The, yeah, Blackwood's back. We'll see if he could bounce back. You know, tough little stretch for him, but I believe there's more in the tank. We'll see a lot of him the rest of the way, but. Anything more on the Devils, either of you? No. Joe, who's the next Bruin that you think is going to get their number retired? And who on the current team do you think will have their number retired? The next number that will go into the rafters at TD Garden is number 33. There's no way Zidane Ochara is going to be playing, you know, much longer. And the second he retires, there's going to be a Zidane Ochara night. Probably against the Islanders. He has more games played for the Boston Bruins than some players do in their career. He has over a thousand games played with just the Boston Bruins, which yeah. is incredible. And he's who played on, for four teams. And who who do you think will get their number retired? Let's say that maybe played since you started watching hockey. I think there's oh, since I started watching, there's three for sure right now on the current team. Uh I think Patrice Bergeron's thirty seven, Brad Marchand's sixty three, and Tukarask's number forty. He's the best goalie to ever play for the franchise. 
Like you can just look at the numbers, look at the wins, look at everything. He is statistically the best Bruins goaltender to ever play for the team. We all know Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand are both Hall of Famers in my eyes. Uh, and then the two, the two that are not guaranteed, but I could see are 46 David Krejci and 88 David Pasternak. But obviously 88 has a long way to go to make that happen. <laughs> Okay, I think 88 and 73 have a chance, but they have to have a full Hall of Fame career in order well, for yeah. that to happen. Well, yeah, I didn't even mention 73 because he's just getting started. <laughs> yeah, well, so so is Pasternak, all things considered. I, yeah. I think Krejci's a lock. Yeah. I think Krejci's I, a I mortal so. lock. I I'd bet so. my mortgage on it. I would hope so. You look at It's always crazy to me when you – this is such a historic team. They're going on – it'll be 100 years old in three years, which I can't wait for that 100-year anniversary. And – uh, you every seems every seems like every time someone does something, especially Brad Marsh and Patrice Bergeron, they show the stats of like okay franchise history, and they're right up there with some numbers from like Phil Esposito, Ray Bork, Bobby Orr, some of these great players, Cam Neely. They're like their names are right in these lists with them. So yeah, I definitely think like you know ten years from now, there's going to be a lot of cool, uh, even less than ten years, but there's going to be some Bruins that I watched a lot get their numbers raised. Yeah, Krejci, I, I called it a lock after sitting and thinking about it. You you kind of have to be like an all-time great player to get your number retired. So Krejci, I'm on the fence about after really doing some deep thinking about it just now while you were talking. But I think Bergeron and Char are locks. Marshan is probably a lock. Marchand and the, reason, lock. the reason that kind of crossed my mind is I started thinking about Frankie's Blackhawks. And I think there's three obvious ones, and then you can make a couple arguments for – That's what I was going to say. There's three for sure. A couple others. So, Frank, you can expand on that. I think there's three for sure, and I think there's two maybes, but I think the maybes probably won't happen. I mean, we'll have to see. The three for sure I got is Duncan Keith, number two. I would be shocked if his number one. Probably happened. next, right? Yeah, I w- I, I'm going to be the first. I think it's going to happen, to be honest with you. So I think Keith will be first, and then I would think Jonathan Taves would be second just because I could see him outlet or calling it quits early on his career, earlier than Kane. So I think number 19, and I think Patrick Kane will be the last of the three to get retired. 88's a, I think those three are mortal locks in my opinion. And I think Keith's is coming sooner rather than later. Later, um, And then the maybes I got, but I don't see happening to be honest with you, would be number seven, Brent Seabrook. I don't think that he will get his number retired. I just, I simply don't. He had a great career, great defenseman, but I don't know. To get your number retired, it's got to be pretty spectacular. Um, and then the other one would be Corey Crawford, number 50. I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, he was one of the, he's a great goalie for the Chicago Blackhawks, won a couple Stanley Cups with them. But in the end, that's up to the Hawks to decide if they do retire his number. I think that'd be cool, but I don't know. I don't see it happening. The only players to win all three Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks are Taves, Kane, Keith, Sharp, Yalmerson, and that's it. Seabrook. And Seabrook. Yeah. And Seabrook. Yeah. Um, they're going to honor Yalmerson the same way they honored Shaw. Last week, they're going to honor Yalmerson the same way. So that's to me, takes four out of the equation. They're not going to retire number four. No shot. And Seth Jones currently wears it. They didn't even like hold it off for a couple years out of respect. Like some teams do that. Like, hey, we're not going to retire your number, but we'll, we'll keep anyone from wearing it for three to four. No, they just handed it to Seth Jones like nothing. I think that's um, what they did with number 22 for Boston. I honestly do, because this has been a long time coming since like 2018 when he made it into the Hall of Fame. I think they've been planning this whole jersey retirement thing for Willie O'Ree. So no one's yeah. been 22 since Peter Solarik in the 2020 season. Or no, 2000, like, wasn't Sean Thornton 22 as well? Sean Thornton was 22. Yeah, yeah I got a big brain. 
Um, I think Seabrook has an absolute chance of doing it, but I think they will split it. I could honestly, this sounds weird. I think some teams in NHL history have done this. I know the Los Angeles Lakers retired two numbers at the same time, and this was before his death, but they, they retired eight and 24 for Kobe Bryant. I could see the Hawks doing something similar but opposite with seven with Chelios and Seabrook. I mean, you could retire seven and throw both of their names up there. I think that would be sick because Chelios is one of the best defensemen in NHL history. He went on to be better with Detroit, which makes a lot of Hawks fans salty about Chelios. But Seabrook and Chelios both deserve like that type of recognition. I think Crawford's a lock. I will be stunned if they don't retire Corey Crawford's number, honestly. Like, he's probably one of the best – he's the most successful goalie in Blackhawks history. I don't know. Maybe I'm – Maybe I'm a Crawford fanboy. So, like, I was always loved Crawford. I, I honestly see that happening. I'm on the fence about Sharp. I say probably not. It'll be more like what they're doing for Shaw, Jalmerson. But Sharp – Sharp helped turn that team around. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's not even close. But, like, he was really freaking good. So who are your three locks on? Oh, Taves, Kane, and Keith. Oh. Yeah, I think. But you just said Crawford was a lock, so you have four locks. Yeah, but then I kind of like revoked it because, like, I don't know. He's a great. I'm a, goalie Cro- I'm a Crawford fanboy. So am I. I love Corey Crawford, but I don't know. I think if he would add another cup in there, maybe played a little bit longer. You know, I mean, he was injury prone too, so that that might play into into it a little bit. So I don't know. It's he possible. Would the, he would be the third goalie to have their number retired by the Blackhawks. So the reason I, I bring that up is because I was just looking up to see if Ed Belfour's number was retired, and it's not. So that's, that'd be pretty interesting. Glenn Hall and Tony Esposito are the other two goalies. Yeah, I mean, and Corey Crawford broke a lot of those guys' records mm-hmm. and won multiple Stanley Cups. He didn't yeah, win would... three, he won two. But, you know, he has similar um, numbers to Henrik Lundqvist. People don't realize that his career statistics were very similar to Henrik Lundqvist and Henrik Lundqvist is viewed as this mortal lock to make the hall of fame. The Rangers are already retiring his number. I forget when exactly they're doing it. It's probably soon. And I don't know. We'll see what happens with Crawford. I'm on the fence with him. I'm leaning no for sharp and I'm got a lock on the three. Yeah. Um, All this talk about, you know, Jersey number retirements, King Pookie asked a little bit ago. He wants to know how many jerseys we own. I don't know if he's still here listening, but Vin, do you know off the top of your head how many jerseys you own? No, and more than ten. Yeah, I, it's a lot. I probably own. I think I own like thirteen just Bruins jerseys. <laughs> yeah, I have four of them being Tukarask. <laughs> I have three in my sight right now, and they're just out because. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I have a lot. I probably have eight or nine with just Parisi. For all the various yeah. sweaters that he's had mm-hmm. over the years. So, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Devil's retired. Nobody on the active roster is a lock. And I don't think any former player has a chance right now either. Um, all the players that won all three cups except one. Um, I believe Sergey Breland is the other one who won all three cups with the Devils. Besides Danico, Niedermeyer, Stevens, and Brodeur. Um, but I don't. he's not like a number. He's like Jomerson. Like, Great player, needed him on the team to win cups, but, like, not retiring his jersey. Taylor Hall didn't stay long enough. Zach Parisi didn't stay long enough. Ilya Kovalchuk didn't stay long enough. Um, I would say next in line, potentially, you would think Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer 
have the, are like young enough and skilled enough to maybe go have a career like that. But even that is like, it's a lot to expect of someone. So, I mean, Luke Hughes, uh, well, if they win the draft lottery and draft chain, right. I mean, the devils are all about the future right now. There's not much of the recent past to celebrate. Yeah. And I agree. Aldo makes a great point here. <laughs> he heard that the Blackhawks wanted to wanted Patrick Sharp to retire his penis when he was on the team because he was having so many encounters. So. Yeah, I mean, you can argue that that was part of the downfall of the team in general. It's not Patrick Sharp's penis's fault that Stan Bowman traded away Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad, but at the same time, there was definitely some issues with the whole thing with Duncan Keith and his wife throughout the, you know, the run. So it yeah. sucks, but Patrick Sharp, good player. Maybe he wore 10 for a reason. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> last night, there was a Banana Lands shootout between the New York Islanders and the Philadelphia Phil. I almost called them the Philadelphia Phillies. The Philadelphia Flyers. At first, I thought you were going to say Eagles, and then you said Phillies. <laughs> I love all sports. I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a favorite sport. I just love them all. You ask yeah. me what I want. I, I want to watch like football. I want to watch hockey. I want to watch baseball. And I want to be hanging out with you guys while I do it. Banana Lands nine-round shootout between the Flyers and Islanders last night. The Islanders are starting to play better. They're 13-13-6. and six. But, guys, we could talk about the Islanders next week or something if they start to really throw together some wins and get back in the playoff race because they have freaking 10 less games played than some teams because of COVID-19 and their building situation and all that. But the Flyers, man, they're still 13-18-8, and eight, and they're like – they're only 12 points out of a playoff spot, which I say only 12. If you get pretty much 10 out by January, you're out. But, you know, you'd think they'd be at the bottom of the league after losing nine straight, but they're not. But what's next for the Flyers after losing nine straight? Joe, I'm interested to see what you have to say about this. Yeah, I was actually going to feed off of you accidentally calling them the Phillies. And, like, I think they'd be playing better if you gave those Philadelphia Phillies some skates and sticks and threw them out there. They'd, they'd probably have a win in the past nine. Oh, the Flyers are the worst team in Philadelphia out of the big four men's sports. The yeah, 76ers, the Eagles, and Phillies are all better at their sport. Yeah. Never thought tough. I'd say that. Never thought I'd say that. It's tough for them right now. And, you know, didn't they start off like kind of decent too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, that's what gives, puts them in this position. Like even after losing nine straight, they're still like not at the bottom. Yeah. Um, they're but dead, I, but they're not dead, dead. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're as good as dead. Like I, I feel bad <laughs> for them. No way. Yeah. Cause like pretty much, I mean, what were some of their off season moves? They traded uh Voracek one for one for Cam Atkinson and Cam Atkinson, you know, he's got some goals. Uh, uh, Claude Giroux had, has dealt with some injury stuff this year. I feel bad for Carter Hart because I honestly do believe that he he can grow into like you know one of the best goalies in the world. But I don't know. It just seems nothing nothing's working over in Philly, and it's I don't know. I I feel like you got to you. It wouldn't be a bad idea to go for the full on rebuild while Carter Hart's still young. Uh. And I don't know. I just don't see. I know Claude Drew, he's got in the games he's played, he's got what? He just scored his 12th goal yesterday. But I mean, the inconsistency, I feel like he can get something for this guy now. I know he's the leader of your franchise, but I don't know. I think it's time to, you know, fully rebuild. How many different coaches have we seen in Philly over the past three years? So I don't know. It just seems every year they go into it with their head held high 
And by this point of the season, the head is very low. So, Frank? Yeah, there needs to be a lot of off-season change uh, this year. I think they have a talented team, right? But there's something not clicking. You got Drew, Hart, uh, so many other – Atkinson. I mean, there's just so many other – so much talent on this team that I think they could at least be a bubble team. And right now I don't think they have a pulse. Um, which shouldn't be the case. Going into the season, I would predict that they would have been up there maybe a couple points out of the final wild card, um, but they're not, and they're dead, and I believe they're dead dead, and a lot's going to have to change in this offseason. It's going to take more than just a new coach. It's going to take more than just new management somewhere. I mean, there's things that need to change on and off the ice, um, but, yeah, they just need to get their shit together because they should be better than what their record states. It is time for the Philadelphia Flyers to start over. That's pretty much There's what no ifs, ands, or buts. I would trade Provorov. I would trade Giroux. I would trade basically everybody except for maybe Konechny. I mean, maybe even trade him. Like, just they need to start over. Nolan Patrick was a busted pick. They didn't land, you know, a good player in that draft after winning the second lottery spot. They didn't get much for him from the Nashville Predators before the Predators traded him over to Vegas. Um, I think it's just a tough scene. Um, I'm not like trying to be mean either. Like the Flyers, they just, they had some really good years from 2010 to 2018. They were one of the best teams in the Eastern conference on a consistent basis. I mean, they had that upset win in the first round over the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2012, where like Sidney Crosby and Giroux fought a bunch and, you know, Pronger got into it with Latang a shit ton of times. And, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy who, tried to hit Giroux and then Latang went after him. Uh, I'll think of his name. Um, you know, the Flyers, they beat the Rangers a couple times in the playoffs. I know the Devils took care of them once in the playoffs, which was fun. But, you know, times have changed. The Flyers aren't very good. It's stale at the core these days, and it's time to start a rebuild because I believe they have a fan base that is strong. You know, Philly's a great – they're one of the big four sports towns in my opinion. The four big sports towns for me are New York, Philly, Boston, and Chicago. L.A., Houston, nice towns, but nothing's like those four in the United States speaking. And, you know, they can rebuild and get a good team on the ice. The NHL will be better for it. Yeah, I agree with you. You make a good point. I agree. And how long – didn't they sign, like, JVR to a a big deal after – it was a big deal after his Leafs tenure. Well, it wasn't after his Leafs tenure. They, or yeah, his he, contract with the Leafs expired. Do you mm-hmm. know he's never signed a contract with anyone other than the Flyers? Oh, was he traded to the Leafs? On he was that traded contract? to the Leafs on a contract with the Flyers, and then when that contract expired, he re-signed back with the Flyers. So yeah. JVR has only ever chose to sign with the Flyers because he <laughs> yeah, was drafted. He... People might remember JVR. Nobody actually thought it was kind of like Capo Caco versus Pat versus Jack Hughes. James Van Riemsdyk like threatened to be the first overall pick because he had a good world junior. Um, he was on the same team as Patrick Kane and Patrick Kane ended up being the first overall pick by the Hawks. JVR, good player, not Patrick Kane. Yeah. And um, you feel, I know you don't look at this stat. You hate it. Uh, plus minus. If you look at the teams plus minus and, over a big sample size, like plus minus, it, it does give you a small idea of something. And he is, is their least forward or the, has the lowest plus minus of, out of any forward at minus 19. And if you look at 
their leader in worst plus minus is Keith Yandel, who is just great offensively. Yeah, he's great offensively, but Mr. Sonk, he gets scored on quite a bit. Another guy I feel bad for on this team for a plethora of reasons is Kevin Hayes because he's having, you know, not that great of a year. He's got like three goals in the 20 games he has played. And uh, that's a guy that, you know, when this team's good, he's one of the guys he steps on the ice and, okay, this guy can score goals from anywhere. And it just hasn't been there. You know, he's dealing with a lot of stuff and he's probably had the hardest off season out of anyone. So uh, it, it sucks for him, but yeah, I agree with you that the Philadelphia Flyers need to, you know, kind of re rehaul here. Yeah. Tough with Kevin Hayes. He's going to be out for a couple of months due to a surgery, obviously dealing with the loss of his brother, Jimmy, um, I've heard Brad Marchand and the Bruins have really stepped up and helped the Hayes family because they're from Boston. Marchand's doing things like going to Jimmy Hayes's kids' school and you know trying to put a smile on his face and all that. So Bruins really been stepping up. Anybody who hates Marchand, take a look at that story. Yeah, but, it's a it's a great story. He goes and plays. Uh, he plays street hockey with this with Jimmy Hayes's son all the time. I believe his name's Bo. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jimmy Hayes's wife said that every day that he wakes up he wants to be just like kevin hayes and brad marsh brad marsh there's like his two idols i want to be like jimmy hayes and brad marsh to be honest with you i really do um we did get a little bit of breaking news we don't need to break down the entire thing um but it is true it is news i think next week would be better to uh break down the actual details of it because we'll be able to look at it and it won't have started yet, so we still could do it at that time. The National Hockey League has announced regular season schedule updates. 95 missed games due to COVID-19 absences will be made up from February 7th through 22nd, which would have been the Olympic Games break that the National Hockey League is no longer participating in. 95 games played from February 7th through 23rd. As part of a comprehensive update to the regular season schedule was announced on Wednesday, the update will allow all 32 teams to complete their 82-game schedule by season's original ending date of April 29th. And, of course, it was reported yesterday by ESPN's Emily Kaplan that asymptomatic players will no longer be tested for COVID-19, meaning there won't be as many outbreaks of players that aren't actually sick, and only those who are actually dealing with some tough symptoms from COVID-19 will be tested and quarantined from the team Guys, it seems like we're going to be able to finish the hockey season this year. Yeah, which yeah. is good. Go ahead, Frank. I like that they're not testing asymptomatic players. I think that uh, it'll definitely help get the game of hockey moving along a little bit because you have to think of all these players that are out. A lot of them haven't had any symptoms. So, And I think that's a big reason for cancellations and you know teams not having enough players or whatnot. So I think that's, I think that's a good move by the National Hockey League. Absolutely. And not going to the Olympics sucks ass. I can't scream at Joey. Literally, I planned on screaming at him about Team Swiss destroying all his favorite teams. That sucks because we got robbed. But at the same time, if I had to pick between getting the Olympics in and finishing the NHL schedule on time, so that way we can get 2022-23 underway on time with no issues, I would make that sacrifice. I think you guys would probably concur. No. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously I want the season to, you know, go and be finished with 82 games played and then go right into the playoffs. We don't need no, like we had uh, in 2020, we don't need that again. 
Um, and I and Frank, to what you said, I'm so happy that they changed the COVID protocol rules because it was the most frustrating thing when a guy would go on COVID protocol because they tested positive, yet they're completely asymptomatic. They feel fine. It's the most frustrating thing. Like, look at the lightning yesterday. Like, 16 players. What is this, rat hockey? How are you going to play a hockey game in the NHL level with four defensemen? That's a joke. Yeah, they ended up winning the game. And they destroyed – they might win the cup now. <laughs> Six I think four. that's bad. It's it, it sounded bad for the Lightning. It was actually good for the Lightning. If you can come together and win a game against a pretty good Kings team with 16 skaters, four defensemen, and 12 forwards, how can I shit talk the Lightning the rest of the season? I mean, yeah. they the they might rally and just go win the fucking thing for the third year in a row now. Bullshit. The Lightning are good. There's no denying that. No but... denying that. And so they're going to be active said, at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, to what I said though, like there's so, the, some of the players who were out, they're you know, playing with 16 or 23 on a on a roster. So the seven guys that are out, how many of them are actually asymptomatic? Probably over half of them. So there shouldn't yeah. be games played at the NHL level with that uh, slim of lineups. It's just not. It's not right. And let's make it very clear. COVID sucks, and when you are sick with COVID, it sucks ass. We're not denying that in any way, shape, or form as a podcast. We just know that not testing asymptomatic players is probably a better way to actually get this season completed, also without putting anybody at risk. Yeah. Um, How do you guys feel about the All-Star game? I'm excited for it. It's my favorite All-Star game in any sport. I agree. I couldn't agree more, Frankie. I'm very excited about it. And since we're talking about the Eastern Conference for the most part in this period, let's go over the Atlantic Division All-Stars. Leading off from the Ottawa Senators, Jake Batherson. From the Boston Bruins, his first All-Star game. From the Boston Bruins, Patrice Bergeron, his third All-Star game. Low number. I would have thought it was more. From the Florida Panthers, Jonathan Huberto. From the Detroit Red Wings, Dylan Larkin. From the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews. From the Tampa Bay Lightning, Steven Stamkos. From the Montreal Canadiens, Nick Suzuki. From the Buffalo Sabres, Rasmus Dahlin. From the Tampa Bay Lightning, Rasmus, uh, Victor Hedman. From the Toronto Maple Leafs, Jack Campbell. And from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Andre Vasilevsky. Joseph, this is your division. Go off, King. Yeah, well, first, I just want to say the NHL All-Star game used to be my favorite. Now it is not. MLB All-Star weekend is is 10 times more fun. Uh, I I hate the way the NHL does things now. I liked it at first. The three-on-three was cool. Three, they could. There's ways to do three-on-three, but I miss it being two teams, East versus West. I think that the way they pick these teams are stupid. I think that actual NHL All-Stars are left off. Of these rosters, you look at that number, even you said three third seems kind of low. No one puts stock in NHL all-star appearances like they used to. You used to say that on someone's resume, like, oh, this guy's a four-time all-star. They still uh, do it in football. Because yes. if you don't play in the game, you make the Pro Bowl if you're one of the best players. Like three It's like time, a big deal. Three-time it's an Pro honor. Bowl or so-and-so, yeah. it's a, It should be an honor to make the all-star. There should not be a rule that every team has to send a player. I think that is the stupidest rule. It's the softest rule. This isn't a fucking participation all-star thing. And the fact that some players who are actual all-stars, best players in the world, Hall of Famers, having 
amazing seasons are left off of these all-star teams. The NHL fucked this whole all-star thing completely up. And there's, there's a lot of players who deserve to be there that are having far and away better players on some teams who are complete dog shit, who don't deserve to send a player there. I just, I hate the way the NHL does it. That being said, the Atlantic is still going to win. The Atlantic is the best. They have Patrice Bergeron. So Nick Suzuki made it over Brad Marchand because the Canadians needed a player. That is, it's a joke. It's honestly a fucking joke. It makes me so mad. The NHL ruined All-Star Weekend for me. It was, it was the best around the 2012 to 2014 era was the best time to watch the NHL, NHL All-Star time, NHL All-Star Weekend. They still did the skills competition, which I love. Now things are just cheeky, as me and Frankie like to say. Frank, Atlantic Division All-Stars. Yeah, um, it's it's rough with this the rule that you have to send one player. I do think the Atlantic uh, are contenders to win it. Um, they're not my pick to win it, at least not at this moment right now. Um, we'll get to who I think is going to win it a little bit later. Um, do you want me to talk about the last man in too, or are you going to do that later? The last man in, I believe, was – I'm trying – it was Steven Stamkos. It was Steven Stamkos. Okay. Which yeah. I think he he definitely deserves to be there. He's one of those players that should have made it, not as a last man in. I mean, he's got forty six game or forty six points in thirty nine games played. He's got eighteen goals and twenty eight assists. I mean, those are all star numbers for halfway through the season. Um, I think Marshan was gypped. Um, I, yeah, I, I, there's not much else to say. I think Joey nailed the whole Atlantic division perfectly. Um, good to see Stamkos get in there, but sucks to see so many other great players not make the Atlantic team. There you go. I want it on record that I believe all four teams have a 25% chance to win. I think they're all dead ass even. I'm not even going to pick a winner. Like, honestly, I'm just going to root for the Metropolitan because my favorite team's there. I legit think every division has a if a 50-50 chance of winning. I really, really do. And speaking of the Metropolitan division, Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes, Claude Giroux of the Philadelphia Flyers, Jake Gensel of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils, Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers, Alexander Ovechkin of the Washington Capitals, Adam Fox of the New York Rangers, Adam Pellick of the New York Islanders, Zach Wierenski of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Fred Anderson of the Carolina Hurricanes, and Tristan Jari of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'll go first on this one since it's my division. I'm very happy that Jack Hughes made it. If one player from every team is going, I believe he is not the right choice, even though he's the most marketable choice. And this is all about money, which is why one player from every team gets to go, whether we like it or not. Jack Hughes is the face of the franchise. He's becoming one of the faces of the NHL. ESPN has a feature on him once a week. But Jesper Bratt has been the better devil this season. He was one of the last men in candidates. And Jake Gensel won the vote over him. So it's a great division. There are great players. For the first time in a long time, it will not feature Sidney Crosby, which is just banana lands. But, you know, there was the injury and COVID and all that. So Crosby's not there. It, it sucks because Crosby and Ovechkin being on the same team is always fun. In my opinion, and I had this conversation with Joey privately, no team in the National Hockey League got screwed by the All-Star game than the New York Rangers. That's right. Me, a diehard New Jersey Devils fan, said the New York Rangers, my biggest rival in the sport, got screwed more than them. Chris Kreider made it. 
having a great goal scoring year probably deserves to be there. Adam Fox unequivocally deserves to make it. In my opinion, he's a top three defenseman in the NHL and he's currently in line to win his second straight Norris trophy. How in the F did Artemi Panarin not make it? He's their best forward. He's got more points than uh, Kreider, even though he may have less goals this season, but overall he doesn't. In the last 92 games played that he's played with the New York Rangers, he's got over a hundred points. I mean, the guy is just unbelievable, Panarin. And then their goalie, Igor Shesterkin. If the season ended today, he would win the Vezina Trophy. There is no doubt in my mind about it. He would get my vote if I had one. I think he'd get Joey's vote. I don't know about you, Frank. He would win the Vezina Trophy if the season ended today, and he did not make it. The two best players on the Rangers got gypped, and – Neither of them were even the final man in vote. Mika Zabanajad was the final. And Mika Zabanajad's a great player. He won the final vote. And he's not even going to the All-Star game for personal reasons. Jake Gensel won it over him because he came in second place. So why not just put Panarin or Shesterkin instead of Zabanajad if you know he can't go because of personal reasons? Wait, I just so he's don't the remember. last man in and he's not going? No, Jake Gensel's the second to last man in. <laughs> and so I just don't understand. If you knew that Zabanajad was going to not be able to go because of personal reasons, why the fuck wouldn't you put Panarin or, you know, Shesterkin? I know it's harder with a goalie because they got to get someone from every team. But, like, instead of that, put Aho from the Hurricanes and leave Freddie Anderson out and put Shesterkin in as a goalie. I just don't understand. It makes me so angry, and I hate the New York Rangers. I hope they go 0-82-0 every single year, and I still think they got gypped hard. They should have those two in the All-Star game. It's a joke. I cannot believe it. And, and just to put into like perspective of how – yeah, Vin, you already mentioned that the, even the Devils, you know, they picked the wrong Devil. Like you said, Jesper Brett is having a much better season. But based off the guy that they picked, I'll just compare Artemi Panarin's stats here to Jack Hughes. I don't think he's having a better season. Jack Hughes is the only player on the Devils that's point per game. He missed time with injury. I know. Okay, but missing but, time with injury, it goes into consideration if it you should. make an all-star game. That's what like, I, Jesper Brett has point. been more productive. He hasn't been okay. better, but in the in the season as a whole, he's been more productive. And the way you are supposed to pick all-stars, like, what are we doing? Like, where are you at, you know, in terms of your totals and all that? Like, what, what kind of consistent year are you having? Jack Hughes has nine goals and in 11 assists. Artemi Panarin has 10 goals and 28 assists. And he is not an all-star. Jack Hughes is. It's, yeah. it, it's incredible. Jack Hughes I, has only played 20 games. He's I get that. Game. I get that. But the NHL has really fucked up. It's this because of the whole one player per team thing. Right? Exactly. How, that's, how many, that's the how, bottom line. That's actually impressive to me, though, as a Hughes guy. That makes me feel good. Because how many games has Panarin played? Probably. I mean, 30. he's got 38. He's got 38 points, so he's probably about a point per game as well. Okay, and he has the same number of goals as Jack? With he was probably... one more. Oh, he, okay, so he has one more goal with about 20 more games played. That's good look on Jack Hughes, I will say that. Jack Hughes is having a great year, don't get me wrong, but he shouldn't be going to the All-Star game. I over mean, Brat. Either over Brat or there shouldn't be, like, the Devils, you know, if maybe if they had a true All-Star, they'd, they'd be doing a little better this year. There's I, I so don't much think... talent that's being missed out. Exactly. No, not every team. I don't care. Like, how much more money does it draw? Yeah, you might get some more fans watching. They're still going to sell out the game. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. I just don't understand it. If your team is dog shit and you don't have an all-star, you shouldn't send a player to the all-star weekend. 
Your team yeah. fucking sucks. You don't have an all-star on your team. Yep. I agree. I, do you think Jack Hughes would have made it over Brett if he wasn't point per game, even though he missed all that time? Because 20 points in 20 games as a 20-year-old is impressive. Every team in the league. Like 10 points or something? Yeah. No, I don't think he would have made it. Yeah. So, like, performance did kind of go into it for Jay Hughes. But, you know, Brat has been there the whole year. He didn't miss 14 games or whatever. So. And I and I am I am bitter. It mainly comes down to Brad Marchand. I'm very bitter about it. Brad Marchand should be there. He was just the NHL's first star of the week. He's coming off of an incredible week. He is currently tied for 10th in scoring. He has 20 goals on the year. He just does everything right. He, he is a highlight reel himself. He's a fucking NHL all-star. He's having far and away better season than Patrice Bergeron, and that's saying something because Patrice Bergeron has probably been the best you know, face-off man defensive player if there's a year for him to win the selkie it's been this year uh so i don't know it's uh, it's a joke i'll tell you why the nhl does it though because look at us you're defending your guy i'm telling you why jack hughes has had a really good year Uh, the nhl wants guys defending their people defending their guys from their team like that helps create conversation about the game and grows the game how do you expect people? How do you expect hockey to grow in Arizona if one of their guys ain't in the All Star game? Yeah, but it's like like Joey said, it's not a participation trophy. Like, yeah. who cares? Oh, They've I taken don't, away. I don't, they have to earn it. I don't they disagree. have to earn it. If you want if you want hockey to be represented in Arizona, then you have to earn it. They've taken away like the All Star game being an honor. That's how I feel. Like, oh, this it, it, when someone retires, he was uh, he was a four time All Star. Like, I don't give a fuck. Was his team ass and he was the best player on it? Because guess what? That's how you get into the All Star game nowadays. You'd be on a shitty team and be better than every other shitty player. Yeah, it makes being an All Star not as important as it used to be. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, that's the hour long conversation on the Eastern Conference. And is that, is that period one? <laughs> That's period one. We must have had a pane of glass come out in period one, and they had to do some repairs. It was a big (laughs) period one. It is what it is. I I love the Eastern Conference, so I like talking about it. I'm I'm happy Jack made it. I'm not going to lie. 20 points in 20 games as a 20-year-old. Shout out to the number 20. Like, you know, it's good news, and I'm sure playing in it will boost his confidence. So that's my thought on that whole thing. But I understand any of the players that made the all-star game, like they're obviously are skilled enough to give the fans a good show. Right. That's not the question here. Yeah. No doubt about it. And especially because the way the all-star game is set up three on three, it's just fast paced, exciting, a lot of hockey going on. Right. But if say Crosby made it and say Panarin made it right, they are two players who are going to make the game even more interesting. Like you say, it's a marketing thing. They would market, it would sell more. I think to the fan base as a whole, like the this stuff they could do in three on three situations. You also have to take into consideration like that. It's a three on three game, right? They just, yeah, it's just, it's really messed up right now the way they did everything. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think Jack would be the first removed from Metro to replace him with Panarin. I mean, it's hard to argue against Jake Gensel, but then it goes back to the marketing thing. They market Hughes as a league 10 times more than Gensel. Gensel's the third most – fifth – no, he's probably the fourth most marketable player on the Penguins alone. So when the Metropolitan takes down the Atlantic Division in the first round, though, that will be a lot of fun. And I'm still looking forward to it, even though I don't agree with the way they did it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to watch every second of it. 
So, yeah, especially Joseph, the skills, the skills competition. That's yes. Are you excited that the skills competition's on a Friday this year and the All Star Games on a Saturday? Isn't that how it always goes? I think it's been Saturday and Sunday in the past. I think we've had it before on a Friday, though. I remember Saturday and Sunday. Friday used to be the draft. Well, yeah, the, there was. That's another thing. It used the to be Friday draft. fucking fun. When Obi most... wanted the car. Yeah. I want to be last. <laughs> the most. I like, need they car. Took away so much entertainment when it was you pick. There was two captains. The thing that the, the first time they did it was Team Char versus Team Alfredson. And that you was remember that shit? That was so fun to watch. And that was that the was best. All, and then the couple years after, I forget who the captains were, but they traded Rick the Nash fucking, and Taves. They traded Phil Kessel for Tyler Sagan, remember? which after happened they, in real life. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like little shit like that. You see personalities from guys, but at the end of the day, the all stars were chosen because they were fucking all stars in the league. And then the captains drafted the teams, and yeah, that eliminated the East and West thing, but. That's fine, honestly. There's ways to do that again and have an entertaining game where it's not like a full hockey game and the score is 15 to 12 because that shit did get boring. I'll admit that the three on three is way more entertaining. You could tell these young kids want to fucking score on these three on three rushes. And the winning team gets to split a million dollars, which they could do whatever they want with, which is really nice. I, I think it'd be cool to do the three on three tournament, but have the captains and all that again and do the fantasy. Cause we all play fantasy hockey. That was like watching a real one on the real stage and then seeing it like come to life in front of your eyes. But like, imagine Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews being on the same team for a three on three overtime. You got the best pure sniper in the NHL playing on a line with the best pure playmaker in the NHL. Like that would be awesome. Yeah. So we don't get to see things like that though. Um, I don't know. I do know. That a conference that is less top-heavy but deeper is the Western Conference, and we would like to talk about that in period number two. Hey, welcome to period two, where we're going to be talking about the Wild Wild West. And of course, leading off the Wild Wild West, I want to talk about somebody who I love. This is his podcast. If he wanted to replace me as host, I'd let him. That's how much I love this man. Of course, I'm talking about Chicago Blackhawks goalie number 29, Marc-Andre Fleury, who was named as the NHL's second star of the week. I love this man. I saw him in person right in front of my face last week against his hometown Montreal Canadiens. And second star of the week, big honor. Of course, Brad Marchand was first. Joey was Certainly happy about that. And Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning was third. But Flurry, outstanding. Great statistics. Under two goals against average. Save percentage over 950. A shutout. 3-0-0 record. The Hawks were on a four-game winning streak as a result until he was beaten in a shootout, which, like, when Flurry loses a shootout, it's like, whatever. A lot of goalies lose shootouts. It's a skills competition, not hockey. So, Flurry 3-0-1 in his last four. Just outstanding work from the flower. Frank, this is your team, so I'll start with you specifically on Flurry. Well, actually, in this past five, he's 4-0-1. There you go. Only giving up seven goals in that span. Marc-Andre Flurry has been absolutely a goat. Standing on his head, he had a rough start to the season. And I told you guys, I said, I don't want anybody 
talking bad about Marc-Andre Fleury just because he's having a rough start to the season. He will find his game. And a lot of well is the way the Hawks were playing on defense. It was the way Colleton was running the team. Everything's absolutely stunk about it. But now Marc-Andre Fleury is playing his best hockey that we all know he can play. As a fan of the Blackhawks, it has been the most fun time to watch at any point during this season. They have nine out of their last possible 10 points. They are one of the hottest teams in the league right now. And not only that, I got to see Lucas Reichel make his NHL debut. He was sent down just because they don't want to burn his first year of his contract. What I saw against him, this kid played great. I mean, it was a small sample size, right? We didn't get to see him over a longer span of the season, but the way he played, I like seeing from a young guy. Then you got a uh, Jakob Galvis, who I talk highly of. I think he's a great defenseman. Um, I love the way he's playing too. I mean, the Hawks got a lot of young guns for their future. Uh, Brandon Hagel is another guy who I love seeing play. He's a stud. He scores on a consistent basis too. Um, it's just been a, a great time to watch these past handful of games. It, it's just been absolutely incredible. I know the Hawks have a bright future. Um, the other th big thing I've seen from the Hawks lately is a, a tiny step up from Taves and Kane. The last eight games played, Taves and Kane have a combined 15 points. That is almost two points per game between the two of them in their past um, eight games, which is something that the Hawks need them to step up in order for them to win. And just look at their past five games. They got nine points out of 10. I think the Hawks have uh, rebounded in a big way. It might be too late, um, but you never know. It's been great to watch. Does it concern you that there's not much rest for Marc-Andre Fleury and that they don't have uh, the faith in their backup that you know a lot of good it's, teams would like? It's funny you bring that up because I was talking about like when Fleury moves on from the Hawks, I don't think Lankinen's the answer. Um, they need to find a, a better goalie whether they give some rookies an opportunity or they make trades for a, a, another goalie. Um, I love Kevin Lankinen. Um, I've seen that he could play really good hockey games, but I don't think he's there to be the number one guy in the future. So I, I hope they don't stick with that. It does make me a little worrisome that they, they don't really trust Lankinen as much as they should trust the backup goalie. Um, I think he's fine as a backup for short term. But, yeah, they, they definitely need to get more depth on the goalie. Because Colin Delia, too, I'm not a Colin Delia fan. I think he stinks. He's also not the answer. Uh, who is the other one? Soderblom? Um, I don't know. I think they, they have trouble in the goalie area past Flurry, But we'll see. We'll see what happens, what comes out of it. Chicago's answer and goal could be playing in the Olympics. Yeah, their I forgot his one, name. I, I've been their trying number, to think of his name. Their number one goalie prospect, Drew Camesso. Currently playing, I want to say it's BU. It's either BU or BC. He's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he was going to – Team USA had a chance at gold in the World Juniors. He was their starting goalie. And then the IIHF put the X on the kids, you know, finishing that tournament. I would have loved to see where he ended up. Yep. But Drew Camesso, he's developing well. He's been pretty good in college so far. Second-round pick. They're going to try really hard to make him – into an NHL goalie. I'm not sure if it'll turn out the way that, you know, it's going to go just straight up according to plan. But Camesso has been really good so far. I just hope they don't rush him to the NHL because when you throw guys like that into the league too soon, if they get destroyed, then, you know, 
things don't end up working out for them. So I can't say I'm like fully confident that the Hawks will handle Camesso well, but I believe in his talent and he's been a star at BU so far. And he's, you know, going to be team USA's goalie in the Olympics. Now that NHL players are no longer going. I think that, you know, they're going to bottom out. I, I know they're playing well right now. Taves and Kane have been playing well, but they're going to trade Flurry. I don't see them keeping Flurry. It wouldn't surprise me if they trade Dahan. It wouldn't trade me if everybody on their current roster that's not on an entry level deal besides Alex DeBrinkett gets traded to me. And that includes Taves and Kane, even though they would be hard to move because they make 10 mil a year for the next year and a half that, you know, a lot of teams would have a hard time fitting that under their cap. But, you know, I, I like Reichel. I think some of these guys are pretty good. I don't think they have like the foundation that they had in 2008. You know, they, they don't have that. They don't have future superstars to lead the way like they did with Taves and Kane. Reichel's pretty good. Debrink gets pretty good. Doc eh, should have taken Byram. Although Bowen Byram's dealing with some serious concussion issues that are currently threatening his career. So we hope well for him, but I think I'm not as high on the whole thing, but I've been proven wrong before. I just think they they need to rebuild. They're like stuck in the middle. And being stuck in the middle is the worst place to be in the NHL. You don't want to be there. Like they they sent out that letter that they were going to start, you know, trying to change things and get things going in the right direction. And you don't do that by bringing in Marc-Andre Fleury. You just don't. Marc-Andre Fleury has been a pleasure to watch. Loved having him. He made the Hawks watchable so far this season for the most part outside of the first 10 games. But, like, if you want to win again, you got to start bringing in, like, some good young talent. And they just really haven't done that every time they draft one of these guys. Like, Yoki Haru for Nylander was a disaster. Yoki Haru just scored for Buffalo a couple nights ago. He's not, like, a superstar defenseman. But the Hawks could use a good third-pair guy right now like Yoki Haru, you know? They they drafted that bum, that complete bum, Adam Boquist, because they were so high on or they knew they were going to get rid of Yoki Hardy. Well, he sucked too. And then you had to trade him and a first in order to get Seth Jones, who is good right now, but how good is he going to be in three years? And when you go to – if you don't win the draft lottery this year because you're going to have a top ten pick because you're one of the ten worst teams in the NHL, you don't have it. Columbus does unless you win in the draft lottery. But then next year you don't have it if you win the draft lottery this year. And next year's draft is arguably better than this one, and they're the best two drafts since Austin Matthews' draft. So I don't know. I, it, the whole thing to me, Stan Bowman left a big old mess. They need to hire a true – if it's not this guy they currently have. They need a head coach or they need to commit to a head coach. It could be Derek King. I don't know. I'm bring fine in, with Derek King. Bring in, bring in Eddie Olchek as president to calm everything down and bring everyone together. Do something. Show some kind of direction, Blackhawks. Right now, the Cubs are doing the same thing. Are you trying to win or are you trying to rebuild? Pick one. Pick a lane. It doesn't matter which one you pick. But Taves and Kane aren't getting any younger. Joe, what do you think? Well, not to mention just the just the Cubs, but I mean the Bears got their handful too over. There. <laughs> well, the Bears are a whole different story. They're a team that w- they were headed in the right direction in 2018, and then the the shit bottomed out, and now they have to rebuild again. They they were never like trying to be in the middle, really. They just suck. They just sucked at their rebuild. 
Yeah. Um, about the Hawks, though, I would uh, I agree that yeah, Flurry is going to get moved at the deadline, which is only going to make things you know worse this year because he has been like probably the brightest spot. Frank, you you said how good Flurry's been. If they don't uh, trade Flurry, it's honestly I don't know what if, to tell you. if they I don't, don't trade Flurry and they're not like they better have won ninety percent of the games leading up to the deadline if they don't trade Flurry because that yeah. means they're in the mix. And if they don't trade Flurry and they're not in the mix. That is just the biggest fuck you to Mark Andre Fleury, in my opinion, because he's got he's on a one year deal. He's if never missed the playoffs. In he's his never missed the playoffs in his career. Like the, he's a Hall of Fame goal, goalie who'd be going for his fourth Stanley Cup. Like you got to go get you got to get this guy in the playoffs. Not only is it going to help your franchise because teams are going to pay for Mark Andre Fleury. He's still a fucking elite goalie. Teams will pay for him, and uh, so you not only would you be fucking your own franchise, but you'd fuck you'd be fucking. I agree 100% that Marc-Andre Fleury will be traded. And I agree that they need to kind of, they need to just go for a full on rebuild. And you said it might be hard to trade over, uh, you know, contracts like Kane and Taves. But would it really, though? How, you, you said they're 10 and a half million. I think you said 10, but they're 10 and a half million and each a half. for the remainder of this year and next year. And then it's gone, right? That screams to me to a team that's trying to win a cup now. They would overpay in picks and, and prospects, and you retain a little bit of salary. Even if you retain 50, 60% of that salary, it's the assets you get, you deal with that salary retention for the next year in order to get this assets while you still can't. So I, I see that being something that happens. So you retain salary, you suck for another season, and you deal with it. But as long as you're able to get a lot for them, that's what you have to do. Do you think they're going to be better or worse next year? It's so hard to tell, honestly. It, like it all depends. Like, I think it, they had the talent to be good this year, but everyone I, did. I think Colleton. I think Colleton screwed him, and Stan Bowman screwed him. I think there should have been a, a change well before the season started. Since Derek King's taken over, the Hawks are four games over five hundred. Imagine if there were four games over five hundred to start the season, they wouldn't be in this predicament right now. Now this uh this nine points in ten games, they'd be in the mix. We'd be talking about them in the mix. So I think the Hawks are a very talented team. I do think that they have the talent there. We just didn't see it. I think a lot of it was hindered by what went on early on in the season through management and stuff. Um, and, I and, do, and and I do think that if the right now the Hawks are eight points out of a playoff spot, they got a lot of teams to jump. Um, but they do have a couple games in hand. I think they have one game in hand on San Jose or whatever, who, who they're eight points behind. If the Hawks are four points or less behind at the trade deadline, I do not see the Hawks trading flurry. I do. Oh, I do. I think they, tr- they, they have to trade. Flurry. I will not be surprised if they're four points out or less, they will not trade flurry. I, I, I would trade them if they were in a playoff spot. Yeah, because he's on a one-year deal. You pretty much are just you. You're going for the Stanley Cup at this point, which is—is is yeah. this a cup team? Yeah, if they squeak into the playoffs, are they a cup team? My answer is no. I—they have talent on the roster. I agree with Frankie. I just don't think it's sustainable. Taves and Kane are almost gone. Can Debrink it only has nine assists, and that does worry me that a lot of his goals are being created. Like, he's not helping Patrick Kane score goals like like Panarin was, but Patrick Kane might be helping him. Sc- and Seth Jones, I mean, these three work together very well. I'm not taking anything away from Dabrinkit. He deserves to be the all-star, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I don't know. I-, I just It's so thin in terms of young 
prospects like Dahan helps them win games. Connor Murphy's pretty good, but he's he gets hurt as much as anyone. If Camesso doesn't hit, that they don't have a goalie, which Camesso very well might hit. I hope he does because he's a BU guy. I love that. But like Kirby Doc was a miss. They could add Zegris. They could add Turcotte, who's been playing with the Kings. He's, I think he played his eighth NHL game yesterday. Bowen Byram. I mean, the injuries to Bowen Byram are a little scary now. But, I mean, I, I don't know. Stan Bowman, I agree with Frankie. If I if I were Rockworts right now, I, I think I've said this on the show before, I would call Stan Bowman and remind him that he's still fired. Yeah. Uh, and, so. Frank, you mentioned that they're – you said eight points behind the Sharks with with a game in hand. It's not even necessarily that though. I'd be I'm more worried about the teams that the two teams that are below them, Calgary and Winnipeg. They have four games at hand on the Blackhawks and they're still above them. Mm-hmm. So those are the teams you got to worry about. Yeah, the Sharks they're playing some great hockey right now. So are the Los Angeles Kings. Who knows if the uh, if the Calgary Flames and yeah, I, I keep saying I'm out on the Oilers, but they're still in the mix. The Oilers are still in the and mix. They they're the team that lands Flurry. Yeah, Which, I was just gonna say they got to, all they all they really need to do is maybe tighten up a little defensively and fix their goaltending issue because Mike Mike Smith can't seem to stay healthy. He finally gets back from his injury he's been dealing with all year, and he gets old. I think he fucked up his thumb or something like that, or his hand. <laughs> Put him right back out again. So Mike Smith's career is is all but over, in my opinion. I don't think we'll be seeing too much of him. The team that the Hawks are chasing for the final wild card spot has been one of the most impressive teams to me in the NHL. They are what the Hawks thought they were going to be, a bubble team with their roster that was once elite, and that's the San Jose Sharks. San Jose Sharks are 21-17-2, which is good enough for fourth in the Pacific Division, which is also good enough for currently standing the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. Although, as Joey mentioned, the math, supports Calgary and Winnipeg more than it does San Jose. But even if San Jose just barely misses, I think that their season will be remembered as a very decent one. Their leading scorer is Timo Meyer, who has um, 20 goals and 25 assists for 45 points. Tomas Hurdle's having a really good year. Logan Couture has been awesome. Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are second and third on the team in assists. They're doing what they've done their whole careers in terms of creating plays from the back end. Frank, I'll start with you. The San Jose Sharks, they were one of the top teams pretty much our whole hockey watching lives. And then over the last two or three years, they've kind of taken a nosedive because they've put a lot of money into aging players like Carlson, like Burns, like Logan Couture, who he's not really aging, but he's also not getting any younger. Joe Pavelski's gone. Patrick Marlowe's gone. Jumbo's gone. The core that we once knew is gone, but they're still a pretty good team now, and I think they're surprising a lot of people. Um, honestly, I think the Sharks are frauds. Uh, I'm not high up on the Sharks at all. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to hold that last wild card. They haven't done enough in my eyes. I mean, they also they, – they played too many games – like you said, the amount of games that the Oilers have in hand or Calgary has in hand, to me, they haven't done enough. I don't think being four games above 500 right now is enough, especially in the Pacific Division, the way like those teams are have been performing right now too. So I, I don't know. I think they're frauds. I think they're a good team that's going to fall off, kind of like how I thought the, the Colts were frauds. So I don't know. Joe? Frank, I'm kind of with you. Uh, but like Vinny said, it's – it's been a year that they're doing better than everyone thought. And I think you can say that for all three of our California teams. Like we love these teams. 
Vin, you and I especially, we love rooting for California and all three of these teams. And all three of them are currently in a playoff spot, I believe, which no one would have thought that up to, if you would have said at the beginning of the season, January 19th, are all California teams going to be in playoffs? You say, hell no. But here we are and they are. But I agree, Frank, that I, I don't think that they can they can keep it up. They've played some great hockey. They, we saw the five-goal game from Timo Meyer. That kind of, I think, inflated his stat. Yeah, he's got 20 goals, but we're looking at a five-goal game there. And <laughs> uh, after you know Timo Meyer, Tomas Hurdle, and Logan Couture, it's like there's a huge drop-off in their offense, in my opinion. So uh, Eric Carlson isn't what he once was, and Brent Burns is having a good year, okay year. Uh him and Carlson and, are having an okay year. Okay years, yeah. Um, and the goaltending necessarily isn't isn't you know elite for me. Uh, with uh, Reimer and drawing a blank on Hill. Yeah, that their their guy. So yeah, I don't know. It's just I agree, Frank, exactly with you with what you said. Yeah, so we could jump over to the last bullet point. We skip a couple of things. We'll go back to them. But I did write you both alluded to it. The Sharks not making the playoffs. I agree. I think Winnipeg or Calgary will take that last spot. But I am thoroughly impressed with San Jose. I wouldn't necessarily call them frauds because the reason I wouldn't call them frauds is because I never saw them as a playoff team to begin with. It's not like they're this world-beating team that I think is going to fall off. They're better than I expected. So to me – they're the, they're the third best California team, but like, where do you guys stand with California and the playoffs and the way they've performed this season? Joe, to you. Yeah. I, uh, I'm actually more impressed with the Los Angeles Kings, to be honest with you. I'm way more impressed with them because going into the year, I probably would have said that the sharks would do better than the Kings. And yeah, it's still up for discussion. There's still a lot of season left and, and it very well could be that way. And it actually probably is that way right now, given, you know, the games played and all that. But I'm impressed with the Los Angeles Kings and, and the, the type of hockey they've been able to play. Uh, not the last two they've lost, but before that, they were on a four game win streak. Uh, and that's they've, you know, done a lot of it without their leading goal scorer. Adrian Kempe, I believe, is out. So I, I'm impressed with the Los Angeles Kings. It's good to see Jonathan Quick, you know, he's playing. Uh not necessarily the Jonathan Quick that we saw in 2012 and 2014, but I mean, I would say he's not completely out of the mix yet. He's still he's still a goalie who can get in there and hold his own. So, uh, Kopitar has been awesome. Drew Doughty, like th- that core is getting old, but I mean they're still there, and I think it's a good transition of of to the youth over in LA right now. That makes a lot of sense, Frank. Um, yeah, I kind of, the Kings have been playing very well, obviously better than the Sharks. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I kind of got them though in the same predicament with the Sharks. I don't think that what they're doing is sustainable, um, for the second half of the season. So right now I would have Anaheim as the only team I'm confident in from California to make the postseason. I think the San Jose Sharks and the Los Angeles Kings will falter a little bit and end up missing the postseason. Um, and in my eyes, it goes Anaheim, Kings, San Jose, in that order of the best teams in California, from best to worst. Um, so, yeah. I agree with you all around, Frank. Yeah, same. I agree with the order and everything. Yep, same. I do think uh, San that- Jose and L.A. will miss, but they've been very good this season based on the expectations that we had for them going into the season. Joe, yeah, neither, and- of us, neither of us had them making the postseason. Neither of us had any of the three making it. 
when we did our predictions before Frankie joined full time, neither of us had the, any of the California teams making it to the postseason. I don't believe. Oh yeah, no. And uh, the Ducks. Here's a reason why I, I know the Kings passed up those uh, those Ducks for the time being, but I still think the Ducks have a chance to win the Pacific Division. I don't care. Yeah, they've lost the past three games. They have got hit by COVID so hard. You can say I was it doesn't matter. Say, it does but, matter. It, it matters so much. When you go from John Gibson in net to Stolarz, and Stolarz has been a great backup goalie. He, a lot of teams would love to have him as their number two goalie, but you're taking away John Gibson, arguably the, one of the best goalies in the world. And then not to mention Troy Terry, the season he's been having, you know, one of the leading goal scorer. He's been out. Uh, Milano's been out. So it's just like you take some of these guys out of the lineup, yeah, this is going to be the part of the season where your team goes through a rough stretch. And that's what we're seeing in Anaheim. Hopefully those guys come back. Their next game is tonight. I believe that's the TNT late night game against the Colorado Avalanche in Anaheim. So that should be a good game, given you know certain players coming back from COVID. Is Gibson playing for sure? I don't. I don't know. It said I, he was to... questionable. He was day to day, but I do know Stellars has COVID now, so he will not be available. Yeah, so I mean, not Gibson. It's just a mess over in Anaheim right now. And then you saw it. We that that Blackhawks game yeah. kind of showed it as well. Like. You know, that wasn't the Anaheim team that... The Hawks dismantled them. They dismantled them, which rightfully that was a game they should have won. The Ducks aren't deep enough to deal with something like this well. They're like a surprise team. They're they're very good when everybody's healthy and contributing. But, like, it's not like when the Lightning lose two or three players to COVID. They have guys who could step in and replace them. You know, the, the Ducks, the ability to for the bottom to fall out is there for the Ducks more than the other top teams in the Western Conference, in my opinion. And speaking of the bottom falling out, the Edmonton Oilers. Leon Dreisaitl went a little viral yesterday because he and a reporter, who is known as like a Hall of Fame reporter up there in Edmonton, got into a little dispute, and you can listen to it here. Lots of reasons for why the Oilers are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there is there one thing that you in your own mind you're saying we got to get better at that? Yeah, we ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your Yeah, question. you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing for sure. Good. Yeah. I have a couple takes here. I'm going to get real fucking mean about that guy. The old ass man asking Leon Dreisaitl this shit. First of all, you sound like an elementary school teacher yelling at a kid for talking back, okay? Why are you so pissy all the time? Uh, you know, like, who the fuck are you, dude? Leon Dreisaitl is a grown-ass man who don't have to answer a shitting question you ask. Second of all, we know what that asshole was doing. He wanted Leon Dreisaitl to roast the goalies. He wanted them to say, our goalies stink, we need goaltending. He wanted to be able to write a piece about how Leon Dreisaitl thinks the Edmonton Oilers need to be better defensively and have better goaltending. And you know what? Leon Dreisaitl's not a bad teammate. He's not throwing anybody under the bus. He's not giving the reporter what he wants. They need to be better everywhere. 
Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, maybe they do need to be better. Even though they're on base for a thousand points, maybe they still need to be better. Leon Draisaitl knows how important they are to the team. Throwing your guys under the bus isn't going to help anything. And Leon Draisaitl handled that ten times better than I would have. Yeah, I agree. That that reporter is clown. I mean, it's just a clown thing to say and and try to. He's trying to get controversy in the Oilers clubhouse. I'll just say clubhouse because we're baseball guys. Or, well. Oilers, like Oilers world. The yeah. fan base, the team, everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the Oilers, well, I mean, we're able to say it. Yeah, their goaltending fucking sucks. Stinks, <laughs> be, like, <laughs> you want fucking Leon Dreisaitl to say that about his exactly, guys? Exactly. Um, uh, one thing that I kind of feel bad for the Edmonton Oilers, and I, I've called them frauds. A lot on the show in recent weeks because you know they're just they're not fucking good they might actually be frauds like by the definition of fraud but here's here's where i'll give them the benefit of the doubt we mentioned that they have 35 games played it's got to be hard for this team to get anything going they play tomorrow uh against florida this is going to be four days off their last game was against ottawa before that their last game was nine days prior against the leafs then they had a, a two-week stretch of games. And then they had a, another, like, 11-day break. They've had, like, three week-long breaks in the past uh, – since, in, since like, mid-December. So, like, it's got to be hard for the team to get rolling and, you know, with the goaltending injuries that they've had and, and dealing with all that. It's hard to really get, you know, your team chemistry going and, and get into that rhythm of winning hockey. So I kind of feel bad for the Oilers. Yeah, they have the two best players in the league on their team right now. But that can't just win you games. You're going to need the goaltending. You're going to need better defensive play. They need Darnell Nurse to be 100%, 110% at that. So I don't know. Can they turn it around? I honestly think they're a team that might be able to, given the fact that they are so offensive, offensively gifted. But it's going to take a move or two, especially approaching this deadline here. Frank? Yeah, I mean, I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you're Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky. You just can't rely on those players to win you games. I mean, it, you need depth. It's just not physically possible no matter how skillful you are. Because once teams contain those players, you're done. I mean, we've seen it. There are times where McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl don't even get a point, and the Oilers don't even score that game, or they'll only score one goal. I mean, they can't rely on that to happen. And Joey brings up a good point. These postponements and these long breaks are not easy to handle. And that doesn't matter what team you are. I mean, there's reasons why teams come back from the Olympic break or teams come back from the, the offseason and they start off bad. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning, they had to shake some rust off. The Oilers are playing games on long breaks who are tr constantly trying to shake the rust off because they can't get anything flowing. I mean, that wouldn't be easy no matter who's playing. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the Devils played them early in January. I can't remember exactly when it was. They didn't contain Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and they still beat them because Jack Hughes was able to just play with their defense's food. So, like, even when those guys do have two or three points each, the other team has a chance to beat them because their defense is so bad. So, yep. There's almost a 30-point difference between – Nugent Hopkins, their third leading scorer, and, and Connor McDavid, their second uh, point scorer. 30-point difference almost. Some teams don't have a player with 30 points. <laughs> no, the Devils don't. Oh, but, no, uh, Brad does. Yeah, but, but like, it's yeah. crazy. That's unreal. Yeah. 
That's unbelievable. And, and they're expecting this guy's expecting Leon Draisaitl will just sit here, you know, leading the league in points at fifty four. Uh, expecting him just to, you know, start saying exactly what the Oilers need in order to be better. <laughs> yeah. And that just throws the guys who are out there throwing their bodies on the line. It's not Leon Dreisaitl's place to do that or make those decisions. Let Ken Holland has been a very successful GM in his NHL career with the Detroit Red Wings. You go out there and take care of your business, Ken. It has nothing to do with Leon Dreisaitl. And get this fucking old-ass man reporter out of here. No one wants to hear that shit, man. No one wants to hear it. Like, I, I just, I hate the whole thing. Dreisaitl did nothing wrong. He answered the question with respect and dignity to his teammates. Exactly. The Vegas Golden Knights. Really good team. Choked to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Monday. But it was, you know, they had a pretty big lead and Pittsburgh came back. You know, that, that, that happens when two elite teams play each other. Their owner believes that Jack Eichel will make his season debut in just a few weeks. And so, Frank, I ask you, does adding someone like Vegas, like Jack Eichel to Vegas's roster that has them in, you know, one of the top seeds in the Western Conference as we stand, does that change the dynamic of the team? Does it, you know, take away some chemistry? Does it, is it going to take a little while for the team to gel together once Eichel's inserted into the lineup because he does dominate puck possession and his decision-making is just a little bit more advanced than some of the people around him? I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. So right now, if I had to pick, I think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to win the Pacific Division. They are my pick to walk away with the, the Pacific title. And now you add Jack Eichel into the mix. You take you take somebody out, you put Eichel in, whatever. And let's say he has a little rust on him, right? I, I was going back and forth. Will he have some rust? Will he not? Originally, I thought he might not because anytime I think a player is going to be rusty, they prove me wrong. Like Malkin came back his first game and it, there was no rust there. I was like, okay, I thought he was going to be a little rusty and he wasn't. So is Eichel going to be the same way or is he going to be a little rusty? Everybody's different. But regardless of if he's rusty or not, I don't think that will hurt the Vegas Golden Knights in any way. If anything, if they have to stay consistent the way they've been and then get a little better when Eichel gets going, all in all, I don't think it's going to hurt the Golden Knights in any way. It can only make them better, even if he's a little off, even if his decisions might not be the best. I, I still think that this Vegas Golden Knights team will still be able to produce. There's enough talent there with or without Eichel. So I think it does change the team's dynamic, but in a positive way. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, I agree. I think a rusty Jack Eichel is still just as good, if not better, than you know anyone else who could be in that lineup that they'll they'll end up swapping them out for. I think I, I've loved the way uh, Chandler Stevenson, Stephenson. I can I don't know Stevenson. how to, I got is it is it Stevenson? It's spelled mm-hmm. Stephenson. I don't know. Uh, I've loved the way he's played. So it's going to be hard to you know take him out of that that center role that he's in, and then obviously with uh, the, with the way that Riley Smith, uh, Marcia, so William Carlson, like they, those guys can strike fire at any time. Uh, I think if you, if you ease Jack Eichel into like a third line role, even that is a huge, huge positive impact on this team that, yeah, even if there is rust, it's going to help this team rather than hurt it. So I wouldn't say there's anything to be worried about with the insertion of Jack Eichel. It's only going to make this dangerous team even better. I believe that by the postseason any rust that he may experience or the team's chemistry should be 
taken care of. I believe Jack Eichel's last game was against the Devils. If I recall correctly, I would have to go back and check that. I do remember seeing him play against the Devils because they were in the same division last year as part of the NHL's like fake East division that they had for one year. So I'm excited about it. I can't wait to watch Eichel play for the Vegas Golden Knights. It'll be interesting to see what it's like to see him on a team that doesn't completely suck ass. I agree. Could not agree more. And with that, I think it's time we move away from hockey for just a little bit. It was a great hockey discussion, Western Conference, Eastern Conference. If we miss something about your favorite team, make sure to throw it in the chat and we will answer it in the third period. But with that, go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing we didn't talk about. They we were on, they were shown on the screen for like a second when we were talking about the All-Star uh, game, which we didn't talk a lot about the Western All-Star. Oh, 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 no. Yeah, we completely missed that. Let's go over that really quick. Thank you for reminding me. Well, I was going to also ask about these jerseys. Do you guys like them? Are those are those the jerseys? Yeah, these are the All-Star jerseys. If those are the All-Star jerseys like and them. that red one is tied to the Metropolitan Division like I hope it is, then I would love to have one. Well, I think yeah. these are just the two of them and then like like you can you can potentially see the Metro wear one of each. Like there's there's going to be a team that probably has to wear oh. one of each. Remember like how it's like a bracket? Yeah, remember how it's like a bracket? Like, okay, the Atlantic might wear the blue one, the Metro might wear the white one, but let's say the Metro wins and then they go into the finals, then they might have to wear the blue one depending on what other the other team wears. Yeah, so that makes we've sense. Seen, I, we've seen I, that I would love to get that red and white one in Jack Hughes. I think yeah, that I would be really both. cool. I love I both actually, too. I like them a lot too. I actually really like them. That's like the only thing about this year's All-Star that I've liked so far. <laughs> yeah, until Brad Marchand or... Patrice Bergeron scores three goals and wins the Atlantic the trophy or something. Then Joey, then Joey, like, that was the best All Star game in the history of the sport. I'm in the Pacific sure, Division. Go ahead. I'm pretty sure last time Patrice Bergeron was in the All Star game, he absolutely killed this uh, accuracy shooting. Killed it. He went four you, for four. You are correct. You are correct. Yeah. I remember that. The Pacific Division is just absolutely loaded with talent. I think if I, I didn't want to pick a team but I think they have the best chance to win. It's Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers, Jordan Eberle of the Seattle Kraken, Johnny Goudreau of the Calgary Flames, Adrian Kempe of the Los Angeles Kings, Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers, Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks, Mark Stone of the Vegas Golden Knights, Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks, Alex Petrangelo of the Vegas Golden Knights, John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks, and Thatcher Demko of the Vancouver Canucks. I like this team, guys. Yeah, it's hard to uh, – the best team in this three-on-three format doesn't always win. No. Sometimes, sometimes the worst never one does. Sometimes the worst one does. Yeah. I think when you – given a three-on-three format, though, you look at that, that Pacific division, and that's probably the best. I agree. That's my pick to win it. That's what yeah. I said earlier. I said I'll get to it when we get there. That's my pick to win the uh, All-Star game this year. I agree with you guys. Are there, is there any notable things about the roster that you'd like to discuss? Well, who was the last man in? Did you I was just going to – that was my notable thing. Troy Terry was the last man in, and I was so happy that he made it. This kid is going to be a stud for years to come. Happy to see Troy Terry get that last man in. Yes. And a little surprising, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Ham and Cheese, Johnny Goudreau leads the Pacific Division with six All-Star appearances. Connor McDavid has five. Nobody else has – four or more so mark stone's first all-star game little surprising it's very surprising to be honest with you yes mark stone has been around a long time but as we mentioned before all-star games basically mean nothing for like 
They're to me, they're the S tier players. And in the S tier, we talk Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Brad Marchand, Nathan McKinnon. Then you start getting into tier one, which is below S tier. And you start talking about David Pasternak, Johnny Goudreau, Mark Stone, Patrick Kane. I I think those tier one guys get boned out of the all-star game the most. The S tier guys always make it. This is Connor McDavid's fifth. I mean, I think that's every year except one, his rookie year. So like and Nathan McKinnon, who we're going to talk about in a minute, it's his fourth. Like Nathan McKinnon has more all-star games than Mark Stone. I mean, Mark Stone's been around way long, way longer. So that that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with that. But transitioning over to that, I think you were about to anyway, that central, only three guys have been there before. I think that's awesome. Talk about like the rookie. If there's a rookie all-star team. <laughs> I'm pulling yeah. for the central. Name of course. Of course, you have Kyle Connor of the Jinnipeg Wets, Alex DeBrinkett of the Chicago Blackhawks, Nazem Kadri of the Colorado Avalanche, Kirill the Thrill Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wild, Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes, Jordan Cairo of the St. Louis Blues, Winter Classics uh, hero, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, Joe Pavelski of the Dallas Stars, that's weird to say, Cal McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche, UC Saros of the Nashville Predators, and Cam Talbot of the Minnesota Wild. What do you think, guys? It's uh, To me, it's the worst team on paper, but it's the most fun team, if that makes sense. Because like you guys said, pulling for them because they're like the rookie team. But I think if you like really had to compare, they're probably the lowest. But like also they have Kaprizov and McCarr and McKinnon. So like McKinnon's, uh, McKinnon's like the vet. He's like the yeah, only vet. On yeah, this. and like to me, Kyle Connor's the most underrated player in the entire NHL. So you know this guy drops ninety points a season. No one talks about him. So like eh, maybe it's a better team than I thought. Like really, uh, besides, when you when you think deeply about the Central Division and really analyze it. Yeah, besides uh, Joe Pavelski, obviously he's the vet, but like Nathan yeah. McKinnon is going to be like that that vet on the ice. He's going to like, okay, guys, here's what you got to do. And then I th- I think him and Kale McCarr are going to put on an absolute show. Uh, pretty much a guarantee three goals at least from the Brinkett. Um, UC Saros is sneaky, sneaky good. He is not a big goalie, and I say sneaky, sneaky good because it looks like he's giving you something. He might be one of the quickest goalies. He is he moves left to right so quick, which I think is so beneficial in a three on three format. Uh UC Saros is gonna be a tough guy to beat on some of these odd man rushes. I, I saw it, I've seen it firsthand a lot in some of these Nashville games. So I think the central division, yeah, may be worse on paper, but they're the most underrated and I think have the best value if you're gonna bet on one of these four teams. They definitely got the most value to bet on to win the whole thing. Fair enough. Couldn't have bring more. Frank, this is your division. Your favorite player, your favorite team is represented by it. I am. Uh, I'm excited to see DeBrinket. He absolutely deserves it. A lot of people are shocked that Patrick Kane didn't make it, but he didn't have that great. He's not having that great of a season. He's not having an all-star season, in my opinion. Um, I'm really pulling for the central, though. I'm a central guy, obviously. I always root for the central. but And like you said, the best team doesn't always win. So if the central wins, I mean – then I guess it's not that surprising in the long run. Um, I just want to root for an exciting game. I just want entertainment. And I think the Central Division is going to be one of those teams, being such a young team, that'll provide entertainment. 
I know I made it sound like I think the Pacific is going to win because if we like held a gun to my head and I had to pick one, I'd pick them. And if you held a gun to my head and told me to pick the worst one, I'd pick the Central. I think the Central has a chance to win. If Nathan McKinnon, if Nathan McKinnon finds Kyle Connor for four goals in each game, I'd be zero percent surprised. And then, of course, you know, Debrinket, Kirill the Thrill. I, I, that's my personal like duo. I want to see the most. I want to see Debrinket play with Kirill the Thrill. I think the Minnesota Wild and Chicago Blackhawks forwards would really dominate there. And especially if like Kale McCarr was on the ice, he's the only defenseman on the team. Every team. Oh no, the Metropolitan has three D. Atlantic has two and the two Western Conference divisions only have one. So seeing who plays D along with Kale McCarr, and when I say D, I mean third third guy in. But I just think it's, it's a pretty good team. I'm excited to watch it. I legit think all teams have a 25% mm-hmm. chance to win. Kale McCarr is going to steal the show. He is going to so. steal the show in this thing. I'm telling That'd be you. Cool. He, like you saw three on three against Chicago, some of those moves. He does imagine a whole – a whole twenty-minute game of that. And of Connor Murphy's a good defenseman. No guy he like did that too. Like he broke his ankles. Yeah. Like what? Kale Connor McCarr, Murphy. That doesn't happen to him too often. He's the player I'm most excited to watch this in this All Star weekend. Kale McCarr. Very fair. Joey loves Kale yeah. McCarr so much that he named his car Kale. Why? Because it's McCarr. And with that, we would like to say, "Oh, for the love of salmon sandwiches." I should have had that ready, but that was perfect. To period number three. I call this the nonsense period. Period number three. We talk about everything and anything. You want to talk hockey? We'll talk hockey. You want to talk this? We'll talk this. You want to talk that? We'll talk that. I don't care. I'm ready to talk about anything. Let's just shoot the shit for an hour, guys. We, But we will start off with something that was very special, something somewhat unexpected, something we did not really get the full effect of in the moment, but then we did later. And of course I'm talking about the moon night trailer that debuted during Monday night football between Joey and Frankie's Arizona Cardinals and my Los Angeles Rams and wasn't expecting it. It was kind of like a reveal trailer. I mean, maybe some of the like hard, I'm hardcore, but like some people are into the news a little bit more than I, and maybe some people expected it that way, but moon night drops during, Monday Night Football, as ESPN has done a bunch because they are affiliated with Disney. I know a couple Star Wars trailers dropped during Monday Night Football throughout the years. I'm pretty sure a Bears-Vikings game debuted the Star Wars Episode Eight trailer. And the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl always has something. Well, the Super Bowl is never on ESPN, though. I'm saying ESPN, Monday Night Football specifically, because ESPN is owned by Disney, as is Marvel and Star Wars. So that's kind of where that comes in. But, you know... Here's the trailer for Moon Knight, presented by Marvel. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I'm losing it. We'll catch you on. You're bloody useless. Stevie. Steven. I can't tell the difference between eyes and dreams. Thank you. 
Lost a contact lens. Hope you find it. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, you're alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? It must be very difficult. The voice is in your head. Shut up! There's chaos in you. In 2021, we had WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, What If, Black Widow, The Eternals, Shang-Chi, and Spider-Man. 2022, starting off with a bang with that shit. I mean, Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I got a very horror vibe to it, too. Yeah, and it's like like that type of thing, I think. Yeah. Okay. And and we all know... We all know Doctor Strange, multi. I think we were going to say the same thing. The direction that Multiverse mm-hmm. of Madness is headed, and and you know the scariness, I guess, suspenseful film. And it looks like this show is going to be just that. Like each episode is going to be an edge of your seat, you know, dialed in type of show. And and Oscar Isaac, the actor there, uh, I'm very Poe excited. Poe Dameron. We all know what Star Wars nerds we are. Um, plays Poe Dameron. He also, uh, I believe he was in an X-Men movie too. X-Men Apocalypse. I, I never, I'm not, I never got too big into the, uh, the X-Men movies, but I believe he's in that. So not the first time he's done a Marvel project, but I think this is going to be really good. And he's rocking the British accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also, um, I want to read more on Moon Knight as a c- character, like in it's- the comics. And I'm going to, I'm going to definitely look in your uh, encyclopedia and read, you know, the insert on Moon Knight, because I, I go into these Marvel things pretty blind in terms of not knowing the comic history of them, which is good because then I don't know what to expect. You know, if I would have known what to expect when I was watching Endgame, like it wouldn't have been as fun for me. So I like going into it somewhat blind on the knowledge of the characters. Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't know much about Moon Knight. So before I did a little research on what he is, he's a character that struggles with multiple personalities. So I think in the trailer, they're like, oh, why'd you call me Mark? Like he's struggling. He's, I think he's got multiple personality disorder. Um, but I, I don't know much more about him other than that. And something I do want to say, I don't know if either of you guys were aware of the news that broke today about Moon Knight. Um, but I just want to express my deepest condolences and my thoughts and prayers to the Uliel family. Gaspard Uliel, who is a main character in Moon Knight, did pass away this morning today. He got in a ski accident, um, and he he passed away. Uh, he plays Midnight Man in the show, so I just want to I say I'm sorry for the, their loss and my deepest condolences to their family. Yeah, oh, wow. that's tough yeah. to hear. Thank you for saying that. Is in that character is going to be in the show? Apparently. Yeah, he is Midnight Man. I don't know if he's like the villain or the rival to Moon Knight, but um, yeah, he's like I I think he's a pretty prominent character. 
in it. I, he, he was in his uh, late 30s, so a very young man. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, we pray for him and his family and his friends. Um, hopefully, Moon Knight is able to really bring them joy in his last work of art before passing on. I mean, I'm very excited for the show. Hopefully, he has... If hopefully he gives us Heath Ledger level vibes because we all saw the Dark Knight before or after Heath Ledger passed away, after he completed the role, the movie was done. So, you know, maybe we'll get similar vibes if it's that great of a show. And I hope it is. I think Marvel just has done an outstanding job lately. I've enjoyed all the shows, even the shows that weren't as good as the ones that came before it. You know, I still enjoy them. I love Marvel. I love this story. I've been into it since forever. I mean, Iron Man 1 came out in 08, and the shit's still going. And I can't wait to see how Moon Knight ties in to what's going on currently in the MCU or what part of the timeline. What, how, Without any spoilers, because I know we have people watching that are currently watching all the Marvel movies that aren't completely caught up. But how does somebody like the Mad Titan, without saying his name, how did the Mad Titan affect Moon Knight's character? How did it affect his family, his friends, his life, his job? Like, Because that seems to have every single thing that's going on currently in the MCU does seem to draw back to that, even the multiverse. Because like without that, you know, everything that happened with Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like all that derived from the Mad Titan, you know who I'm talking about. And so just how is that effective? Like WandaVision, all, all of it. So... I'm very excited. I can't put into words mm -hmm. enough how excited I am for Moon Knight. Yeah, and like I said, I go into a blind just based off the trailer. I'm I'm under the assumption that it takes place way before. I think it takes oh, place okay. prior. Just basically, you know, the flip phone, some of the technology. You don't see a lot of technology. That's like a good, he, point. good hints, Mot good hints. Correct. The Moto Motorola Razor, I believe that was that he flipped open. If that's the phone that they're using that day, okay, this takes place way before the mid two thousands. Yeah, so. Or late two thousand. Then it makes you wonder: Is Moon Knight still around in the current day? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, is or, he present, or is he just? Yeah. Does he show up in Doctor Ver Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness? Which you brought up the horror element, and I want to say something to the audience who might not know, just because it's an interesting tidbit to me. The director of Spider Man One, Two, and Three is Sam Raimi, and Spider Man One, Two, and Three with Tobey Maguire all have horror elements to it. the The entirety of the Green Goblin is based on a horror type of vibe. Dr. Octopus is seen in the hospital and just how Peter keeps taking L's the entire movie and the way the spider sense is shown with like that weird noise. Like that's all horror level shit. Sam Raimi's directing Dr. Strange Multiverse of Madness and it's theory. It's theoretically going to be a horror based film, which is a very interesting twist to the marvel cinematic universe in my opinion so i'm very excited about it yeah and i think having all these different universes like we call them universes because that's what they are but you know 10 years ago they were just other movies that didn't relate so like the fantastic four movies the x-men movies the old hulk movie uh obviously like the the mcu movies that we know today those spider-man movies having like this multiverse inside of the storyline of the mcu opens up the possibility for everything we've seen like i've heard rumors of cameos in the multiverse of madness of some of those characters being shown in because it's just showing their universe like all of these marvel movies that were in their own universe that, that's all their own universe and, and so this multiverse and seeing it potentially being opened up 
like a guy like Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider. That's a Marvel movie taking place in its own universe. And like something like that or or the Fantastic Four that we saw with uh, with Chris Evans playing the Human Torch. Like that's its own universe universe of of Marvel. So and we, we saw just that in the possibilities in this uh, in this most recent Spider-Man No Way Home. So on the, the possibilities are endless. I think Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is going to be rather quickly put on the radar as we approach the release of that as one of the best Marvel movies ever, because it's going to be that intense. What's the name of the town in WandaVision? Is it uh, Westview? Westview, yeah. It is Westview? Yeah. Okay, the first episode of WandaVision that's not in Westview. And like Darcy from Thor comes into play. Mm-hmm. There are people that adamantly believe that in that episode, there's a scene where she's on the phone with someone taking direction. There are people that adamantly believe that she's on the phone with Reed Richards. Yeah. Who is Mr. Fantastic. It. Yeah. So, that, but that would that be the could Reed also Richards. tie in. That would be the Reed Richards of this universe. And then as we open up different multiverses, like does I that mean the, the guy poss- who plays him could be in it? Yeah. yeah. Does that mean the possibility of Reed Richards from the other universe that we saw that the two movies come out ten years ago? Like the possibilities with this multiverse are endless in terms of Marvel movies that have come out already. Like there was a Hulk movie before The Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actor, like, what if he like decided to come in? Okay, well, we'll get the Hulk from that universe to come on in and here. There was like, one, and Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk too. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So like the, the the possibilities are endless. Dude. They are uh, absolutely endless. Oh. Was it Yuvin I showed the picture to about the yes. Marvel character? Yes. yes. I, Joe, I don't think I told you you weren't here, uh, but there's a, there's a picture. It's like I'd say basically confirmed. So I don't want to like get your hopes up, but I mean anything could happen. Um, Doctor uh, Strange Multiverse of Madness is set to feature more Marvel characters than Endgame did. Uh huh, and I, I think I saw but, something similar, and I saw a bunch of rumored cameos, and it was all characters from and it other was Marvel. What you said Ghost Rider and mm-hmm. Daredevil, and who is thing. in this universe, but like it's just a whole bunch. I even of saw, I even saw one thing that I don't, know, I don't know what universe it's going to be from, but it's rumored that there's going to be an Iron Man in it from another universe. I, I said I wouldn't be surprised if we yeah. saw like different versions of current superheroes, mm-hmm. like another uh, Captain America and a yeah. different, uh, yeah. And, and another thing that I just thought of, and I believe this is going to take place in the Venom universe with the most recent Venom with that Eddie Brock and uh, Tom Hardy playing Venom, uh, Morbius. I believe it takes place in that universe, and that comes out in a week so mm-hmm. or two weeks now. So yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited for that just because any time now that there's a movie that's tagged with Marvel, I don't care if it's by Sony, I don't care if it's at the MCU, it becomes relevant and important because of the whole... Pu- possibility of the multiverse if we don't and, see a uh, a human torch chris evans we're, we're getting <laughs> we're we're being like cheated because he's already in the marvel universe they can make that happen so easy yeah and, and honestly it would be funny it would be it would be comical for the fans if if that and if someone like dr strange was like you look oddly familiar do i yeah. know you? <laughs> just like a little offside comment like that and give me jessica alba as the invisible woman yeah that that would be nice but you know good stuff love that shit and speaking of more nerdy shit joseph we watched episode three of boba fett last night i don't believe frankie has started it yet 
But spoiler-free thoughts on Boba Fett. It just keeps getting better and better, more intense. I said that every week so far. Um, very excited to watch episode four, either tonight or within the next few days. Um, it, it's getting intense, and it, it's it's like a slow intense. Like yeah. it's not like Mando. Where Mando was fast, and like she Mando's was fast. Quickly. You know, every episode ended with a bang of some sort. Yep. There, there Fett, were Marvel it, vibes to the Mandalorian. Boba Fett, I like. Well, how many times did we pause it and just try to like talk things out? Like, because I, I don't want to be confused. There's a lot yeah. of like, you know, crime gang stuff and like listening and, and strategy. I, I just being able to pause. It's one of those shows where like I enjoy pausing it, talking it out, and making sure I'm on the same page is the, is the way it's going on. I've absolutely loved it, and it's, it's. I don't know how many episodes there are, but I mean, it's setting up for some intense finale. Star Wars episode seven, eight, and nine really only relate back to four, five, and six. They don't really touch on things that happen in one, two, and three very much. Mandalorian, and even more than Mandalorian, Boba Fett touch on the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. And I love that. People might hate the uh, prequel trilogy all they want. I don't care. Make it matter. If Even if it's not that great of movies, make it matter. And it's starting to matter because like we're, we're seeing flashbacks, no spoilers, but flashbacks to Boba Fett's earlier part of life. Like just stuff like that to me has been outstanding. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, I think those, those prequels have been relevant being such a huge fan of the animated clone wars and, and the relevance of pretty much every arc in the clone wars. It seems it's made those prequels so much more enjoyable for me. Frank, I didn't write this down because I wanted your unfiltered opinion and like thoughts on it without having time to think about it. I read through the app trigger website from Fansided that Activision has been bought. And I want to know straight from the expert's mouth. You had a whole article. People can go to apptrigger.com, part of the Fansided network where Frank Mueller does outstanding work on the video game industry. What is going on with Activision and how does that affect our all-time favorite game, Call of Duty? Yeah, so Joe, big news too, especially to your big gamer just like me and Vinny are. Um, as soon as I was done reading and writing the article, I was like, this has been one of my favorite articles to write. This is probably some of the biggest news um, of our lives, honestly, that Xbox and Microsoft bought Activision. That is just crazy crazy news for xbox now people are talking about how call of duty might be like halo and be a, a console exclusive only to xbox that would shake up the video game industry tremendously i mean we're talking about every single call of duty that was in associated with activision or whatever being on the xbox game pass for free just by just by having the game pass that also includes games like overwatch diablo um, oh, shoot, there was another big one too. I forgot. Um, who else? Vin, do you remember? Do you know any of the? I do not remember, but Crash I know that Bandicoot, you... yeah, uh, Legend of Spiral. There's another big, big named one. Um, I remember those old Tony Hawk's games. Were oh, Activision. Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk. <laughs> that's that's another one. That's and, big. And now all these games and potentially so many more could be coming to the Game Pass. Phil Spencer, CEO of uh, Xbox and Microsoft or whatever, um, 
he did not allude to what games will be coming to the past, but he did say there will be uh, a bunch coming. But he also did note that they are going to keep some ex- uh, to both consoles as well, to like a variety of consoles. They want to cater to those communities. Um, but could you guys imagine if Call of Duty was an Xbox exclusive? How how crazy would that end up being for like the PlayStation versus Xbox War? People would go nuts. Yeah, it's honestly yeah. interesting. I was going to buy a PS5, and now I'm thinking about flipping just back to getting the new Xbox. I don't know. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put a sweet little package with their Xbox exclusive that I really want. But, you know, that this this is <laughs> the biggest video game news probably of our lives in terms of Xbox. I mean, just think about what Xbox did last year. They bought Ubisoft. Now they own yeah. Activision and Ubisoft. I mean, that's like crazy. I mean, these are two of the biggest video game companies in the world. I and saw they already have a deal with EA for the Game Pass. Mm-hmm. It's not like got yeah. EA, Activision, and Ubisoft. Oh my god! I saw a gif. It wasn't a. It was either a gif or a picture. I don't remember exactly. But it was Harry Osborn from Spider-Man Two saying, "I'm ruined. I have nothing left except Spider-Man," <laughs> and it was captioned, "Sony be like." <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really funny. I yeah. laughed out loud at that. I'm like, how do you get that creative if to remember an- that one line from Spider-Man 2 and relate it to real life business news? If you're an <laughs> Xbox fan, you're like screaming, you're excited. If you're a PlayStation fan or if you're even Sony as the company itself, I'm nervous. Like this is bad got news. Nothing left. This is Spider-Man bad news for Sony. Like <laughs> Xbox is making waves in the video game industry right now. It is slowly progressing to becoming the number one console. And the Game Pass is becoming, like, you need it. If you don't have the Xbox Game Pass, it is becoming one of, like, a must-need for gamers. That's awesome. Will it ever pass up uh, PC gaming, though? Because PC, you can technically get it all. Well, yeah, yeah, PC gaming is, like, its own private community. Yeah, I don't even, like... I don't even include that in like Sony places. I like you got Nintendo, Sony, yeah, Xbox, and then you got mm-hmm. PC. Like the PC the guys would be, be like insulted like, by you even saying that. No, but you'd be surprised. Like PC gamers, like like they're those, big gamers. Those they, are the, no, they. Those are the I gamers. think they rule the gaming <laughs> industry. Yeah, those are the gamer gamers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the guys who are like and girls. And who usually are like, they're they're better. Like if I yeah. if I was playing a game and I got matched up against someone playing on PC, like I'm fucked. And they use controllers. It's not like they're typing on. People think some that of PC them. gamers. No, are... some of them go mouse and keyboard, and especially yeah. those, those F- FPSs. And... But the controller industry has made its way into the PC. Yeah, life. yeah. More like ten years ago, PC gaming was like hit A to shoot and space bar to move and use your mouse to do this, aim, whatever. The the controller game in like I know Scuff is involved in PC gaming now. So. I would. And as far as the Call of Duty thing goes, I would be shocked if it becomes a Xbox exclusive um, because of how much money it would make on both consoles and multiple variety of consoles because Xbox would still get a cut. They own Activision. So, I mean, regardless, it would sell more copies. But there are serious talks of it potentially becoming exclusive because there's I think there's already one franchise already that's already an Xbox exclusive from Activision. I, I forgot what it was called. It's like Star star night or something but that's yeah. already an xbox exclusive just be from purchasing activision call of duty would also be smart to not be annual anymore in my opinion i think it'd be better if they took their time with the game and 
didn't rush it year after year and made it more like GTA. That's just like wars. Maybe not necessarily as long as GTA, like doesn't have to take 10 years in between games, but like three or four. I mean, I think that's, and you keep adding to the multiplayer, make the story actually interesting, maybe bring zombies back or Warzone, or there's so many things you could do with Call of Duty and they're all awesome. So Frank, Joe, I know this is the part of the show that you didn't want to talk about with me and I don't blame you at all. I want to talk about football. Your boy VP went five and one with his picks last week. You can go back and check last week's episode of Bar Down where we went over the NFL picks in period one. Didn't we do it in period one? Mm-hmm. That's actually kind of funny. Um, of course, I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Vegas Raiders. The Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Philadelphia Eagles. The San Francisco 49ers defeated the Dallas Cowboys. The Los Angeles Rams defeated the Arizona Cardinals. Guys, what was your biggest takeaway from Super Wild Card Weekend? Frank, I'll start with you. Like, what do you mean? Like, what are, like my biggest, like, What surprised of- you the most or what storyline is the most interesting to you? Just your, a general thought. From Wild Card Weekend, what really got Frank Mueller going, either positively or negatively? There were three things that really surprised me in a big yeah. way, um, and then kind of something that like I was excited about, but it's like it's like an honorable mention, which I'll start off with first. The fact that the Steelers scored the first touchdown of the game and they had a lead against the Chiefs just put a smile to my face. Um, and then I don't want to talk about the rest of the game, so I'll skip that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Patriots getting shelled by the bills that was very surprising and like you said there was a touchdown on every possession what oh yeah yeah whatever <laughs> there's a touchdown it was the first perfect offense game of the in nhl or nfl history that was surprising the cowboys losing to the 49ers was very surprising to me because i i still think the 49ers are frauds and another- all right you gotta you, you can't say that anymore oh they're frauds they're in the elite eight no, they're they're fraud. If they if they lose to the Green Bay Packers, you can't claim they're fraud. They will lose to the Green Bay Packers. They're fraud. If, okay, yeah, you I'll, cannot I'll, claim they're frauds they, anymore. They, they won lose, ten games and a playoff game. Doesn't matter. If you win ten games in a playoff game, you're not a fraud. No. The and the other thing is that the Cardinals losing to the Rams by the way that they did. I mean, if the Rams would have won like by a touchdown, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's surprising. But they they blew out the Cardinals. I was kind of surprised about that too. Um, but yeah. Joe, do you think the cheat are the 49ers are frauds? Um, as much as I hate to uh talk bad about my cowboys, I like the cowboys, but it's a little what's the word, uncanny how they just they lose in the they first always round. Always fuck up. So what can go wrong. That's my takeaway. I'll get to that in a minute. So if you're gonna say that what can go wrong will go wrong for the cowboys, like is that the reason that the 49ers won? Because no. the Cowboys are the Cowboys? No, what can um, go wrong will go wrong is them having to play the they 49ers. They will get shelled the by round. the Packers. Yeah, that doesn't I, make them frauds. I think out of any team, that any other remaining football team, the 49ers are the worst. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's not close. Any remaining football team, the 49ers are the I worst. I don't agree. Who are the I 49ers think the Patriots better are better than the 49ers, the too. Four, yeah, no, I don't, oh, I don't even slightly agree with that. I, the Patriots are, if they were left, they'd be the worst. I would take the 49ers roster over the Bengals roster outside of the quarterback. Well, the quarterback's on the roster, so that's 
Okay. Good point. Good point. Um, Jimmy G's the worst quarterback left, and it's not close. Oh, no, he's not. Jimmy, I would take Jimmy G over Tannehill. Yeah. But the Titans have a better roster, like, by a lot. They're the one seed. Um, yeah. I just think, like, they got in and they won a playoff game. Good for them, but, like. And they won yeah, 10 nope. games. Green, yeah, Bay like, will, Green Bay will not make it close. No. Yeah, I wouldn't be so sure of that, Chief. My right. takeaway is that the Dallas Cowboys are a joke. I can't believe I picked them. I would have been perfect if I would have just stuck to my roots. My roots are that the Cowboys, like the 49ers are a good team and the Cowboys still almost beat them, but it took a bad play at the end, a dumb decision by one of three quarterbacks in the NFL to make $40 million a year, Dak Prescott, to think it was a good idea to run for 18 yards and not go out of bounds and then slide knowing that there would be absolutely no time to get back to the line of scrimmage. And then, of course, an an extra takeaway that I have is that Joey Burrow is an elite quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. I believe Cincinnati has the worst roster of every team that made the playoffs, and the quarterback elevated them to that level. If Joe Burrow was on the Patriots instead of Mac Jones, things would be really different, although the Patriots defense did not That would not have mattered. Well, Patriots they were, weren't putting they, up 47 points. No, they weren't putting up 47 points. And the thing that the people don't talk about, teams have scored more than 47 points before but not had a perfect offensive game. The Bills were very good at clock management. Josh Allen made his throws when he needed to. They ran the ball when they needed to. They ate up clock on their drives, which is why they only scored 47 points. You, If, you, if I were to tell you, hey, Joe, a team is going to score – on every, uh, not only are they going to score, they're going to score a touchdown on every single one of their drives tonight. You would have guessed they put up sixty-five or more points. Well, it, it depends. I mean, every length of game is different. If you say that, and the other team only and scored three points, yeah, that means they didn't spend a lot of time driving down the field. The Patriots did have two touchdowns. They spent a yeah. lot of time driving. Mac Jones had what two hundred and thirty yards passing, so they spent time driving down. So it actually makes sense that they only put. I mean, you say only. It makes sense. You say forty-seven points they scored on. Every single they scored a touchdown on every drive except the kneel, uh, so it makes sense because you got to look at the other score. Yeah, the Patriots also killed clock, you know, yep. working on their own drives. So correct. That's that's a good point. You're right. I Mac Jones played better than Dak Prescott, and the 49ers defense and the Bills defense are close, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. It was a people get mad that they added the extra playoff team. They're never getting rid of it. If you think the NFL is going to be like, oh, that extra money, not for me, no shot. They're going to keep having the seven seed. And I heard a point be made about this weekend that was interesting to me. Normally on wild card weekend, if I were to say, hey, Frank, did the upcoming Super Bowl champion play this weekend? Your answer would unequivocally be no. But now that you took the two seeds out of having a bye, there is a clear argument to be made that the whoever's going to win the Super Bowl did, in fact, play this last weekend. If the Buccaneers or Chiefs win the Super Bowl, nobody would be surprised. Like, and those were the two seeds that would have had a bye in a normal playoff year, which that this is the new normal. People who don't want to believe it. We're closer to moving to an eighth playoff team than we are going back to six. That's uh, that I truly believe that. But, you know. There were some blowouts. The better teams prevailed. The only 
the only team that like was truly disappointing. I know I picked the Rams and the Cardinals were a little disappointing. I thought they'd be close and the Rams would win a good game. I do think the Rams are a better roster and I think they have a better quarterback, but they blew them out. I couldn't believe it. Here's my biggest takeaway. I don't know if you plan on asking. I did. Every single team I rooted for lost except for one. And it's the one that I always can rely on. It's the one guy in football I always will rely on. And that's the guy. We always, we will always agree on that, young son. We will and, always agree on that. And it's the one guy I'm riding with the rest of the way. I'm all Bad. in on the all in on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My guy Tom Brady was my only smile I had all football weekend. And that's a shame. Literally from the moment, from the first kick. Vegas versus Cincinnati. Later that night, I I watched just the worst, worst Patriots game. Um, all the way down to Monday Night Football, I was with you guys, and it was just it wasn't even fun for me because I I truthfully love Kyler Murray as a football player, as a quarterback. I think he's I think the world of him still, but fuck was that embarrassing. So go Tom Brady. He's they can do this. They can. There's a little ounce of me that has faith that I can have a happy Super Bowl and Tom Brady, like always, like he has been for the past my whole life watching football. He is my last glimmer of hope. Let's pick this weekend. And if yeah, I don't even know what you guys are going to pick, I can't wait to hear what comes out of your two mouth after what went on last week. Do I need to go get the kids chalk out of the garage for you? You could call me Chalk. He, I don't care chalk. He, he also picked every single home team to win. <laughs> yeah, and every I, favorite. I, and I went five and one. I, I it does go six and zero. Oh. Because the chalk. Dallas Cowboys. He's about the favorite. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's listen. You'd rather be me. You could call me Chalk all you want. You'd rather have <laughs> my rather, prediction history. I'd rather You'd have rather, integrity. No, you wouldn't. I made more money this weekend than you. I'd rather have because him. because I picked chalk. You know what I picked? The right people. Okay, they're favorites on Wild Card Weekend for a reason, and there will be an upset this upcoming weekend or this. You think I picked chalk? I picked the team that was plus two hundred in the Super Bowl last year and won three hundred bucks. Don't tell me I picked chalk. I pick what's right if I think it's right. I'm not always right. If I was always right, I wouldn't be. I'd be sitting on a beach in Peru right now or something. Some shit. You know, if I was always right, I'd be Stu Finer, where people pay me to give them their picks. That's not the case. But it is not because they were favorites that I picked them all this weekend. I have a feeling. I don't know the line on a couple of these games yet. I'm leaning towards the favorite in all of them so far. But there's one game that is just so interesting to me that... I honestly don't know what to pick, and we could we're gonna make our picks right now. We we can honestly start off with that since we're already talking. About I think it. we all. I think I agree with you that it's a it's the toughest game. There's only I know there's only four games, but it is the toughest one to pick. Is it the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans? I truly, from the bottom of my heart, don't know what actually to pick here, but I actually think I am gonna take the upset. Normally, to me. When I eval and you guys call me chalk, you call me. Yeah, we need a breaking can, news can, thing can, flashing can, on the screen. And he's gonna I, take he's gonna take an away team dog. Can, breaking can I, news. Can I, yeah, I mean you guys could say whatever you want, but when I evaluate my football picks, I try to think of a couple things. I try to think of history from the regular season. I try to think of offensive line, obviously the quarterback and coach. Those to me are like the most important things. Oh, and do you have a great pass rusher? 
Like that to me, if you could get pressure on your opponent's quarterback. And when I look at the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Tennessee Titans, I see an extreme mismatch. The Tennessee Titans are a significantly better football team than the Cincinnati Bengals. I truly believe that they have a better offensive line. They have more weapons on offense, although Jamar Chase is amazing. He's probably the best over. Eh, hard to rip on A.J. Brown or Julio Jones either. But Tennessee probably has a better defense. They were a better team this season. They played in a worse division. The Bengals played in probably the best division in the AFC, you can argue. I still think Tennessee's the better team, and I'm picking the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are on a little bit of a run. I don't think it's going to last longer than this week. But it just feels like the type of game where the team with the better quarterback on a worse roster goes on the road, and I think they take care of their business against the Tennessee Titans. Joe Burrow, superstar, gets the win against the Titans. What do you guys think? Joe, I'll lean with you first. I'm I'll rotate who goes first, just so you guys so don't you think got I'm the Bengals. I am going to take the Bengals. It just seems like Vinny and I can never agree because I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry, this team with Derrick Henry is a completely different team. They won two games with him. I mean, he missed half the year and he still was at the top for, for some of his rushing stats. Like this guy is unbelievable. He will take control of the game. He can single-handedly win the Tennessee Titans this football game. I agree Joe Burrow is, is they you know they got the advantage at quarterback. Jamar Chase is awesome, but Derrick Henry is going to take control of this football game. It's in Tennessee. I love everything about it. And I like the Titans. I it was hard, but I'm not going against my guy Derrick Henry. So they lost two games with him. I believe they were what seven and two when he went out, or I don't know what week exactly. Five and two. I'd have to look and see exactly what week he went out, but I they lost two games with him, and they both were uh Aside from week one against the, the Cardinals when Kyler Murray was like playing good, uh, they were close games. And it, and you look at some of the games he had this year, multiple three touchdown games. Like this guy is going to take control. He's that much of a difference maker for me. I'm picking the Tennessee Titans. Hey, two and four, bragging about disagreeing with five and one, not a smart idea. Frank, what's yours? Um, I Joe, this is the first time we've disagreed. Maybe that's a good thing for one of us. <laughs> it's a good thing for Frankie. I'm uh, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals here just because I think that their offense is going to overpower the Titans offense and defense. Um, I don't know how Derrick Henry is going to come out being out so long and a bye week. It's gotten him more time to prepare and get a little bit more healthy. But um, the Bengals have tasted blood in the water. They got their first win since text messages were invented. Um, since so, Vinny, Joey, and Frankie were invented. Yeah, so their first playoff win, and it's just, I don't know. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I, I haven't always been a fan of the Titans, and I just, I don't know. I'm not, I. it's, it's a very tough game to pick, but I'm going to go with the Bengals. I like the Titans as a team, but there's just something about, I don't know how they win games. I don't. I don't. I don't think Ryan Tannehill's good, so I. I just don't. I don't. I don't know how they win games. He's not elite, but he's not bad either. Yeah, he, I know. But it, Ryan Tannehill. I have a great example for you. We had our Browns debate all season long, and you prevailed. Ryan Tannehill 
is exactly what Baker Mayfield needs to be. Don't turn the ball over. Hand the ball off to your elite running back. Throw to your receivers in the slot when you have a chance and play good defense. Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield was incapable of doing that. Ryan Tannehill knows that he's not a game-breaking superstar quarterback. And the Titans win games because Tannehill plays football the right way to his skill set. And so that is how the Tennessee Titans win the game. I think me and you agree that the strength of the Bengals could be the weakness of the Titans. Mm -hmm. And that's explosive, quick offense. So that's where I'm at on that. The other AFC game is probably, I would say, there are two candidates for game of the week, in my opinion because I think there's one NFC game, even though I don't think they're frauds because they won 10 games and a playoff game. I do think the Green Bay Packers would blow out most teams. So that to me means nothing. But I do think if I had to pick a game of the week, it is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills. Two absolute Super Bowl contenders. The way seeding worked in the NFL this season forced them to play in the second round instead of the NFC or AFC championship game. I do think the winner of this game will rep, even if I'm wrong, I think the winner of this game will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. Before I make, actually, I'll make my pick first because it does seem to be kind of funny when I make my pick and then you guys feed off of it. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills dismantled the New England Patriots last week. As I predicted, I said it wouldn't be close. It wasn't. I don't think playing offense like that is going to be as easy for Buffalo. If they think it's going to be that easy again, they're going to get hit in the mouth hard. Weeks one through five, the Chiefs had the worst defense in the NFL. Weeks six through 18, they had one of the best. And that's why they were able to win every game down the stretch except one. They have won so many games in January under Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes. And basically with the rosters about tied, two elite quarterbacks, unless it's against Tom Brady, it's hard for me to pick against Patrick Mahomes. I have the Chiefs. Frank, over to you. Um, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills in this one. The First of all, the Buffalo Bills have a top defense in the league just like the Pittsburgh Steelers is one of the best defenses in the league. But the thing that the bills have that the Steelers don't is a better offense. And we saw the way the chiefs played early on against a good defense in the league. So when you add in that good defense, but now you're adding in an even better offense, I think they could absolutely take the cake in this one. Buffalo fans are nuts. Buff, you know the Buffalo fans are going to travel well to Kansas City, too. I think Josh Allen is going to overcome Patrick Mahomes and pull home a victory for the Buffalo Bills. Joseph? Frank, we're back to our agreeing ways. <laughs> That's um, what I like to hear. That's worked out in my favor lately. Um, and I'm honestly so confident here. I'm so confident that the Buffalo worry. Bills are going into Kansas City. He's I'm, laughing at us. I'm, but... I am so confident. Honestly, I, I'm – I'm thinking I'm going to go for it now. Let's go. You can have Let's the first go. round. You can have the first round. Oh, of those games no. I, you went two and four and I went five and one. Yeah, that, that, that round is I, irrelevant now. I know. Now. Thank you. That round is irrelevant now because the Buffalo Bills dismantled a top five offense. The Patriots def- or top five defense. I'm sorry. I think the Patriots defense is far and away better than the Chiefs defense. I don't care what anyone says. And they dismantled them. They're going to do much of the same. I mean, much of the same. They may not score a touchdown on every drive, but 
they are going to dismantle the Kansas City Chiefs in similar way. I don't I don't think it's going to be close. I don't think there's going to be a close game at all. I like I don't know who the favorite is. I believe it's Kansas City. I like the alternate spread on on Buffalo. I think it's easy money. Take the take Buffalo minus three and you'd be walking to the bank. Oh my God. Buffalo Bills win this football game with ease. All joking aside, all forgetting about what happened last. I'm being dead serious here. This is the best game of the week, right? That could go either way. I I don't think no. I I think the game think we the already Titans talked and about. Bengals could go. Titan Bengals is a coin flip. For I me. don't see the Chiefs winning this game. No. No. The Bills are so fucking good. <laughs> okay. Moving over to the NFC. Guys, I mean, the Green Bay Packers are playing the San Francisco 49ers. I think the Green Bay Packers are the best team in the NFC. I'm not sure they're going to go to the Super Bowl because the best team doesn't always win. We're off that right now. We'll talk about Championship Sunday on our next show. But I, the 49ers are a good team. If Trey Lance is as good as people say he is and the San Francisco move away from Jimmy G – and use Trey Lance next year, and he's one of those like sweet second-year players like Joe Burrow was this year, like Lamar Jackson was in his second year, like Patrick Mahomes was in his second year. If Trey Lance is like that for San Francisco, they could win the Super Bowl next year. Their roster is that good. Joey Bosa is one of the best defensive players in the NFL, or is it Nick Bosa? I get those two guys. Nick Bosa. Joey Bosa is on the Joey Bosa on the Chargers. Both Ohio State guys. But guess what? Trey Lance isn't there this year. Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy G. I take Aaron Rodgers. Kyle Shanahan, he's the choke artist of the NFL. I mean, he almost choked away that game against the Cowboys, even though they dominated the entire game. The final score, in my opinion, doesn't reflect how bad the 49ers beat the Cowboys. Like, it wasn't close for most of it, and then the Cowboys made it close in the fourth quarter because Kyle Shanahan teams are known to choke the Falcons against the Patriots, the uh, 49ers against the Chiefs, all choking big leads. So I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. They have the better quarterback. Adams is on another level. They have a good run game, and Aaron Rodgers is a pissed-off human being. And Matt LeFleur is showing to be a better coach than I think people originally thought. So I have the Green Bay Packers defeating the 49ers. Um. With the way Frankie talked earlier, I mean, obviously, I know we're going to agree. Uh, this is going to be the first time that all three of us have the same pick. Uh, and I think this is one that we're all going to get right. And for, for time's sake, I'm just going to say uh, I agree with what Frankie said, that the 49ers are kind of frauds. And the Green Bay Packers are arguably the best team that are in these playoffs. So I don't think this one's going to be too close either. Green Bay wins easily. Before Frankie goes, I just wanted on record that there was one pick last week that the three of us unanimously agreed on and it's my one loss. So not very happy about this. If San Francisco beats the 49ers yeah, we all agreed on the bucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. And we're all, you're right. Win. We all did agree on the yeah. bucks and, and we all agreed on the chiefs. Yeah. Against true. the Steelers. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. Good call. I did, I, I did yep. pick Good the call. Chiefs. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we wanted the Steelers. Yeah, I wanted the Steelers too. Yeah. I, I we wanted all said the Steelers. The we all said well, the Chiefs cause we have brains. Everything that I'm picking this week is what I actually want to happen. There's none of that I want it. But... Not me. I want the 49ers to beat the Packers so bad. What are we talking about? Uh, I guess I say I want. If but the I 49ers also... beat the care. Packers, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that I don't would care. be awesome. For me, there's no there's no stakes there. I have no dog in that fight. 
because we would all we could also get Tom versus Jimmy G in the NFC Championship, which would be sick. So no, that would suck. Two different teams, Tom and <laughs> that would not suck. That would be awesome. It'd be a blow. So we all have the Green Bay Packers. I think Frank, right? Go ahead. Yeah, Jimmy G stinks. I think that the 49ers would lose to any of the remaining teams in the playoffs, and it wouldn't be close. Um, I'm not saying they don't have a good roster. I'm not saying that I, we don't know how Trey Lance will be um, in the future. But for this current 49ers team, I am shocked that they won a playoff game, and I think they would lose to anybody left, so I got the Packers. All right. Me and Frankie adamantly disagree on the state of the 49ers, but neither of us, in my opinion, will be proven right or wrong on this weekend because I their opponent is the Green Bay Packers. Like, the Packers on paper are the best team remaining, I think. I think me and Frankie actually agree on that. Um, so I don't use San Francisco getting killed by Green Bay as a barometer of their season. And if they beat the Packers, then I can use it as a barometer of their season. But if the 49ers beat the Packers this week, Frankie's going to come on this show next week and say, guys, I have no idea how the 49ers beat the Packers. There's no, no way that they beat who the winner of the Rams and the Buck. Like, uh, if the 49ers beat the Packers, if the 49ers beat the Packers, I'll take back what I said about them. I don't you don't know, take it back would. after winning 10 games in a playoff game? No. That's crazy to me. How can you call one of the final eight teams a fraud? I just don't understand. It doesn't compete. Because somebody had mind. to win. Like, I don't know. Yeah. The fraud was the Cowboys. The fraud was the Cowboys. Right. So yeah, somebody had to win. So two frauds playing each other. One fraud's going to yeah. advance. Los Angeles Rams versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ah. He's torn. He's torn. He's going he's gonna... to. I'm so high easy. on the Rams. I'm so high on the Rams. They, to me. Two elite wide receivers, an elite quarterback, an elite defense with two Hall of Fame pass rushers in Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Awesome defensive backs. I'm just not picking against Tom, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought for sure you were going to, you know, lose your integrity there and go against our guy. You tell me that my job has forced my fandom out of here. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Tom Brady will win. He is no Kyler Murray. Um, it's in Tampa Bay. I love everything about it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers send those Rams packing. Frank, I agree. There I agree. Go. There you go. There you go. Um, the only one that eh, we have one disagreement in the first game, and then we're pretty much unanimous the rest of the way um, outside of the Chiefs. So it'll be interesting to see how this weekend goes. I don't think I'm going to go four and zero. I'm actually. I do. I'm very confident. I go four and zero. The I, one, the one I'm. I lay it. The one I'm most worried about is the one I would be most mad about, by far. I'm very worried about the Rams. They're just like the 49ers. They're better than both of you. Give them credit for. In my opinion, the NFC West is the best division in football. Because what team missed the out of those four teams? It's the Seattle Seahawks, who have been the best team in that division for the last 10 years. So, and next year they could easily, like Russell Wilson could be healthy and they could add a couple pieces on defense and they would be back to being like the best team in the division again, possibly, if they don't trade Russell Wilson, which is also possible. So, I don't know. 
I'm very much looking forward to a wild card weekend. But really quickly, I know that this is everyone's favorite weekly segment on their favorite show. And of course, I'm talking about breaking bets. We got it's it, like, folks. It's like it never gets old. We got for Frankie. It. Oh, it Frankie never, gets, no, it never gets old. It never like gets little... old. Never. I love it. I love it so much. I I need you in that gear every time we like the one time you didn't have it and I did. It was funny, but also like it was just wrong. Like you're Walter White. You're Mister. He's not that bad of a guy. Complete clown. Clown opinion. I, Bigger I clown opinion than some of your football opinions that Walter White's not an evil person. But like. Uh, you're Walter White. Uh, I love it. So great. So, Frank, lay some picks on me for breaking bets. All right. Um, well, first off, the Nets go to Washington tonight to play the Wizards. Uh, the Nets will be without Durant and Kyrie Irving on the road, and the Wizards have been playing hot, and they are home. So I got the Wizards money line at minus 115. The next one I have are the Timberwolves at the Atlanta Hawks. My philosophy, I always tell this to anybody who likes to bet on basketball, especially the NBA because it doesn't happen too much in college, but teams that play a back-to-back tend to lose, I'd say, about 90% of their games the next game. I don't care what the line is. Um, it's It's been proven right. I just look at the statistics. So I like the Atlanta Hawks at home against the Timberwolves because the Timberwolves played last night, and the Hawks' money line is minus 118, so back-to-back good value picks. Moving on to my third pick, the Pistons are in Sacramento. The Pistons are also playing uh, a second of a back-to-back, and Pistons are just one of the worst teams in the league. Kings are a great home team. Take Don't take the Kings' money line because it's a little high. Takes the Kings minus 7. I don't think they keep it close. Um, that's minus 110. And then my hockey pick, I saw great value. I'm not, I don't really like to do anything. With- I hope you don't steal mine. With any of the hockey picks. Oh, no. <laughs> um, He's going to steal it. The Maple Leafs are going to. He's going to steal it. To go to New York tonight to play the New York Rangers. This is the New York Rangers' first home game since January 3rd, where they won back-to-back home stealing, games. He's stealing my research. going out of the road. Good. You don't deserve to pick the Maple Leafs. Good for you. Going Good on for the you. road um, for five straight. Let me tell you, the Rangers at home is an absolute gift. Um, if the Leafs could lose on the road to the Coyotes, they could lose on the road to the Rangers. Rangers smoke the Leafs tonight. Thank me later at plus 134. I'll send it over to Jay. I'm so happy that you said that because Vinny thought for this whole time that I was going to take the fucking Leafs. <laughs> I'm going to bet on the Leafs. The fucking can't win by two goal Leafs barely beating bad team Leafs losing to the Coyotes Leafs they're going into New York after Frank what you mentioned a long road trip that the New York Rangers had I love the New York Rangers at plus give me the give me the home dogs New York Rangers who are a good hockey team can easily beat the Leafs at home I'm not passing up on the New York Rangers plus 130 New York Rangers money line is my first hockey pick Frank you took it but we're on the same page, so something, something's clicking here. Um, and then I usually, you know, try to stick to tonight, but I don't like the other two games. 
I don't like how favored the New Jersey Devils are against the Arizona Coyotes. Minus 200. I ain't touching the Devils. Um, I think there's there's value there on the Coyotes at <laughs> plus 160, but I, like, I'm, it's not one of my picks. Uh, and then the other game, I, I don't know what to think of it. I don't like the uncertainty on who's in goal for the for the Anaheim Ducks. We know the Colorado Avalanche can score goals, but you never know. The Ducks are good if they have their guys. Not touching that game either. With that being said, I'm going to actually, you know, I'm going to jump a day. I'm going to look at tomorrow's NHL games because, like I said earlier, when the Boston Bruins get blown out, they are the best bounce back team. And I think there's great value in them. They're minus 148. But here's where I really like the value. I like them winning by a goal and a half. They dismantled the Capitals. They got the Capitals number this year. I like the Bruins minus one and a half at plus 163 tomorrow night at home. Bounce back game against the Washington Capitals. This team's good. They're not lose seven to one and then shit the bed the next game either. They are going to bounce back hard. And it's just unfortunate that it comes back against the Washington Capitals. The last time they played the Washington Capitals in the Washington Capitals arena, they dropped seven goals. The extra point was good in Washington. Uh, bounce back game for the Bruins tomorrow. So New York Rangers money line tonight, Boston Bruins money line tomorrow, or if you're feeling spicy, minus one and a half. Vinny looks like he's constipated. He is. He is. What, he's going to bet the New Jersey Devils at minus <laughs> he, 200. He likes Toronto. He likes the chalk. I'm well aware that the New York Rangers can win tonight's hockey game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Rangers are a great team, and the Leafs don't win every game. But I've heard each of you now reference that game between the Arizona Coyotes and the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple weeks ago. And unless you prove to me that you go back and watch the entire game, I don't want to hear either of you reference that game ever again. If you have no finish. No finish. The goalie made saves that should not be made under any circumstance. He stood on his head. They outshot them 46 to 18. They outshot them three to one almost. Okay, that's a sub 900 they, goals against Austin Ma- for the or, or Austin Matthews. For Jack Campbell. Austin, no, he, he didn't play that. No, sure, but it was Dvorak. He had two goals from Wheaton, Illinois. Shout out Wheaton, Illinois. I know we got yeah, some folks watching. Are you watching sure that. he had both goals? I don't think I'm pretty both. sure he had both goals. Yeah. Um, or not Dvorak. I'm not, it's not Dvorak. Dzingle. He had both he, goals. He had the first goal. He didn't have the second goal? You sure about that? He didn't have two goals that game? Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I watched the entire game. And I know how boned the Leafs got in that game. They were the better team in every way. In every way. Not final and score? Just because – no, not final score. Hey, the Coyotes won. I'll credit – the goalie's part of the roster. No doubt about it. But to use it against the Maple Leafs three weeks later – I mean, dude. One week later. It was a week ago to the day. Uh, a lot has happened since then. I'm kind of mad the Leafs game against the Devils got canceled because the Leafs would have smoked the Devils. And this is your curse. This is your curse because that same kid who was making saves that shouldn't be made is named the starting goalie as of an hour ago for tonight's game. He'll probably steal the show again. I don't even know how to say his name. Me, Karel, uh, me either. Karel Vezmelka. Yeah, it was an interesting name. They they had a funny nickname for him that I liked, and now I can't remember it. But I, I wasn't going to give any picks today, but I think now I'm going to parlay the Devils and the Leafs and then put it on Twitter and tag both of you when it hits. And then neither of you will respond or like it or anything like that, just like last week. So Your parlay for Devils-Leafs 
probably wouldn't even pay out as much as our Rangers money line pick. Yeah, probably not. No, That's probably a, it, not. It's a joke how much the like. No offense, I'm not trying to sound like a dick, but the Coyotes haven't been playing necessarily piss poor hockey. If this no, goalie, if the goalie's hot, the goalie they, have, the they have COVID though. Okay, you're going into you're going into a New Jersey Devils building. Who a the Devils haven't played a while in a while, so you don't even know Six how the days. New Jersey Devils are going to look. And to to be minus two hundred favorites when you're not, it's not like. It's not like you're a great team. No, like, I do yeah, you're think the, a bad the Coyotes team. are dealing with COVID. They put a bunch of players like they're going to be dressing some AHL guys tonight. I think that's probably where the and line that, comes in. But and, that doesn't and, mean much usually. And that might not even be a bad thing when the Coyotes, the Coyotes are bad. So when some of their guys who are Hot playing lately. bad. Exactly. So when some, when some of their guys who got the Coyotes to where they're at this point come out of the lineup, that could be a good thing for the team. Yeah. Hundred percent. So that's that. That's breaking bets. That's our two hour and forty four minute show, talking Western Conference, Eastern Conference, National Football League, pop culture. This is the best show on the internet. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and brag. I don't like to toot my own horn, but this show's sick. If you're not watching this show, I don't know what to tell you because there's a little bit of something, something for everyone. I love being a part of it. I love you guys, and I can't thank you enough for putting on this great show with me today. I truly had a blast. Like that two hours and four. I have to do Devils pregame in fifteen minutes. Normally, I have time to like go to the bathroom. I'm going to log off this and hop right on over to Devil's pregame because of how awesome this show was and it went by so fast. So thank you. And now he's all, now he's all amped up. He's ready. He's ready to talk yeah. about Devil's. Let's Coyotes. go Devils. Now he's all amped. He's, he's going to go Devils. into this Devil's show. He's going to go into this Devil's show. Gonna, guys, I love the Devils at minus 200. <laughs> oh, dude, you have no idea how hard I'm pushing the Devils tonight. I hope they beat the Coyotes by 50. Jack Hughes hat trick. Nico Heashier three points. Give it all to me. Let's go Devils. Let's just hope it's a new Blackwood. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. You're telling me. that's. I never would have thought that that would be the weakness of the team at this point in the season. But, gentlemen, Frank, say goodbye by telling everyone one hockey-related thing you're excited about this weekend and one non-hockey-related thing you're excited about this weekend. And make it snappy. We're running out of time. Well, you put me on the spot. Make it snappy. One thing, uh, one hockey-related thing I'm looking forward to is just watching the Blackhawks. This plain and simple. I'm not going to – think of something else randomly I, I can't wait to watch another game next game is friday um a non-hockey related thing to watch this weekend or just this week i'm excited to watch the amazing race tonight there you go joseph um hockey related thing i'm excited to see the bruins drop at least six goals tomorrow against the washington capitals big bounce back game uh talk about chalk that's my chalk pick uh and then non-hockey related, I'm I'm going with my guy, Tom Brady. I'm so excited to watch him put a smile on my face because it's the only guy that can put a smile on my face when it comes to football. So Tom Brady this weekend. Absolutely. I'm going to go out on a limb, hockey related thing outside of the Devils because I'm not going to be chalk like Joey and or Frankie to pick my favorite team. The Blackhawks and the Wilds, two teams I really, really enjoy. I would say they're probably my third and fourth favorite team, the Wild and Blackhawks. They play each other in a back-to-back, home-and-home, Saturday and or Friday and Saturday. So looking forward to watching those two matchups. The Devils have the Coyotes, Hurricanes, and, and the Hurricanes are going to absolutely destroy the Devils. But then they play the Kings on Sunday, Stanley Cup 2012 rematch. Uh, Non-hockey-related, of course, I'll piggyback Joey, Tom Brady, also looking forward to the Book of Boba Fett. And hopefully we watch Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as a rewatch at some point this weekend. Looking forward to that. And for at the King Bean on Twitter, you can follow him at Joey Parisi on Twitter. You can follow him at Vinny underscore Parisi. You can follow me. 
Thank you for listening. Unable to even quit? I mean, you told me that yourself, Walt. Jesus, what was I thinking? Let's both of us just stop trying to do this and admit that you're in danger. <laughs> Bang you, Will. I said bang a Yui. Don't tell me what to bang or who to bang. Bang a fucking Yui. I'll bang whoever I want to bang. Okay, if I want to bang a Yui, I'll bang a Yui. I've banged Yui before in the night. Wait, wait, wait! Long time. Stop it. No! I know I'm a piece of meat, but it's okay.